We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Blog Talk Radio. I hope everybody can hear me okay. I am uh, new at all this, but I am very excited about doing this live presentation tonight to celebrate one year of the confessionals being on air. I am joined tonight with Wes Germer and Dave Groves. Now, if you guys listened to the show tonight, you heard that Wes shared his Bigfoot encounter on my show, and there's a lot of extra content at the end. And if you listen to the show, I don't know. Dave, when were you on the show recently? Yeah, it was uh it was a month or so ago. I can't remember the episode. Forty five maybe? Yeah, you know, I think it was forty five. Uh Dave Groves, it was the encounter a Bigfoot in broad daylight. And uh how are you guys doing tonight? We'll doing start with well. you, Wes. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me, Tony. And thanks for the interview earlier. Um, it's been a while, so, uh, but thanks for having me on, man. I'm honored you have me on your show. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, uh, going to be a blast and I'm trying to multitask here tonight because we have a slight technical issue where my producer said that, uh, he'd be good. And it turns out he can't go tonight because of technical difficulties on his end. He can't connect the, uh, microphone to blog talk to plug in. So, uh, I'm going to be producing, hosting, and all that fun stuff tonight, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, Dave, when I had you on the show, you know, I don't think I actually uh, ever really told you 
how that show turned out, uh, did I? I don't think I did. No, no, we didn't. Okay, that that show was the biggest single week episode we had all year. Um, Get out. Yeah, now I'm dead serious. Cool. Um, it, it was it was a fantastic show, and I knew it would be because, like, obviously I know you and I know your uh, your encounter story and everything. But people really enjoyed it. They uh, shared it around a lot, and uh, we're gonna be talking to some. We're just going to be talking about the show tonight and, you know, the successes of the shows, remembering uh, some of the highlights of the year. And hopefully people can call in. If you want to call in, you can call 713-955-0696. That's 713-955-0696. And you can call and talk to me, you can talk to Wes, talk to Dave. Uh, but Dave, yeah, your show uh, had, I believe it had just over 20,000 downloads for one week's episode. Oh. So from Saturday to Saturday, yeah, it it was an absolute uh, beast of a show. And, you you know, as the host, I I never really know, you know, what show is going to hit, what show is not going to hit. I know whatever show I put out, I'm enjoying. So if you hear me put out a show, it's because I actually like the show. And so I just don't know what other people are going to like, but they really enjoyed uh, your, your show and your encounter story. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where when you say that you saw a Bigfoot in broad daylight, <laughs> it catches people's attention because you can see the detail. Uh, what was the, yeah. what are some of the things that like stuck out to you, Dave, as far as like this whole transition for you into the Bigfoot community? Um, like you went from a non-believer to, you know, a, a knower. And, uh, you know, what was that process like for you? I mean, was it like, uh, was it like a shell shock thing? Did you even think about it or did you just kind of like brush it under the carpet and move on until a few years later? Cause I know you said it was some time between you actually pursuing the topic and your sighting. Well, no, I didn't brush it under the carpet. I, I think I wanted to, uh, I was confused. I know that it was, you know, I, I fought with it for myself for a long time. Uh, not as long as a lot of people, I hear people can go 23. I don't know how they can keep it in that long, but you know, I fought with it, and I had to mention it to my fiance, and and she accepted it. She laughed, but she accepted it because she knew me. And then I think the biggest thing was when I got online to do some research on my own uh, to know that there was even a community out there. I mean, all these podcasts and you know conferences. And then I started. I looked and saw local ones. I was like, get out of here. You know, I didn't know there was a community. I figured there was a small group of people that followed it, just like anything else, but not to the size that it was. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I mean, I wasn't in any of the shows. I think Finding Bigfoot was the only one that was really on then. None of the other ones were that followed later were. And uh, that's actually what brought me to open up. Was I saw an episode, and it was in Pennsylvania at the Allegheny National Forest. And I had to watch it and tell everybody, hey, this happened to me. Something happened to me. you got to watch this show. Not knowing what the show was at all. But, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much been it. And then. You know me, I, I collect books and stuff too, and it just amazes me that no matter how many books you collect, there's still hundreds more out there. There's so many books written on the subject, you know, fiction or nonfiction, uh, from every different view, and it just, it, it's a huge, huge genre of, you know, books, uh, even movies, everything. It just blows me away, and to see how many people are ha- actually having encounters, you know, I think right. is the big thing, and that's what I've taken on with this myself is... I want to get it out there. You know, I don't want anything from this encounter. Some people say that you hear that negative side of it. 
Uh, I was kind of timid about talking about it. Uh, Wes had me on his show, it, it, which I appreciated, and I enjoyed the heck out of that, uh, Wes and Woody. And uh, But it, it was kind of, you know, <laughs> it it was weird being on these these podcasts, and people want to hear your encounter, and, and, you know, no one's really laughing at it like I thought they would. So, uh, yeah, um, it's... It's been eye-opening. It's uh, you know, so I do I do want to get that out there, and that's that's why I continue to do some of the podcasts. I've backed down on a few of them, but uh, it needs to be told. I mean, everybody that has an encounter lives with this, and it's not easy to live with. In my case, it wasn't as hard as a lot of the others. Mine was pretty pleasant, to be honest. Con- you know, considering some of the others I've heard, sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, it wasn't as hard to share. And it just it amazes me how people have opened up the artwork. You know what happened afterwards with Sibylla and right. <clears throat> the artwork that she made for me and. Hey, it's just became uh, uh, like my house is a museum now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wes, did you ever interview Sibylla Irwin? I haven't. I've actually talked to her on the phone. She's very sweet, very nice, and she's a hell of an artist. Uh, but I've never had her on the show. And going back to what you were just saying with Dave, that doesn't shock me that he was one of your highest downloaded shows. Uh, Dave is very coherent the way he speaks. He's very likable. I don't know that I know of anyone even on social media that doesn't like Dave. Uh, he's very likable. He had a great encounter. It doesn't shock me one Aww. bit that it was one of your highest. I, I loved having you on, Dave, and, and I mean that. If if I hated your guts, I would tell you right now I hate your guts. Uh, <laughs> you would. But, yeah, that's, I kind of think you would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, and, and you do a great job. But no, I've never interviewed Sibylla. I've talked to her on the phone. She's very nice, very um, – and like I said, she's a hell of an artist, man. You can't deny the uh, the skill set she has. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, she's fantastic. In fact, I just did an interview last week with somebody who she's going to connect with once she kind of things settle down for her. Uh, she's going to do a, a sketch for this lady as well because this lady saw a dog man. And uh, it was a fantastic interview. I'll be airing that probably next Saturday because it was just that good of an interview. I just got to get it out there. When I have a good interview like that, I just got to put it out there. Um, so yeah, next Saturday is going to be a dog man encounter show. And it's going to be great. And uh, you know, I wanted to kind of Dave and, and Wes, both of you guys, really, I, I asked you guys both to kind of be on the show to start off because uh, I really wanted to spend some time uh, talking with you both uh, together and individually. Uh, and Dave, we'll start with you. You know, you've been with me since the beginning and uh I want to first off say how much that it means to me because, you know, when I started all this online, you know, a content creation online, that's what we'll call it. Cause I do a lot of different stuff. You know, it was all started with Pennsylvania Sasquatch research on Facebook. And when I started that Facebook group, I, it, I had no idea what it would turn into. I just knew that I was really interested in a topic from, you know, my finding of Sasquatch Chronicles and I was really trying to figure out, is there Bigfoot in Pennsylvania? Is it possible? And is there anybody in my area that I could learn from? That was my initial intent because I was very uh, new to the online uh, community of Bigfoot. And so I didn't know how popular Facebook groups were with Bigfoot. And so I started this group and it started growing. And soon I started having people asking me questions about Bigfoot. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here to learn, but I'm the admin. So I had to lead a group of people while I was learning. And one of the things that I did was 
I was very honest with people. I very, I very much told them, Hey, listen, I'm here to learn just as much as you. I try to let people know that I'm not, you know, some expert or anything like that. And you know, the, the group was started growing and I needed to bring on an admin or two. And Dave, you were uh, part of the group at the time. And I had just heard you on a podcast and I was like, well, let me see if this guy would be interested in it. Cause he is in Pennsylvania and I wanted to keep a Pennsylvania cast. And uh, you took a phone call from me and you talked with me and you very much graciously uh, accepted being an admin on the group, even though the group was probably like, I don't know, 200 people at the time. It wasn't like, you know, right. some bomb, awesome uh, group and all that stuff, but uh, you helped grow the group and you helped cultivate it. And I really, really appreciate that, man, because um, you were there for me when I needed help and stuff. And I just wanted to publicly say thank you for that because what happened was you and I from that I became a pretty good friends. And right. I went to you for a lot of different ideas and stuff and, and bouncing things off your head and not in reality, just figuratively speaking. Um, but <laughs> you know, one of the things I wanted to say is that I remember when um, I decided to really look into doing this podcast and I remember calling you and talking to you about it just to see what your thoughts were on it and stuff. And you were really, really supportive of it. And, you know, I was it kind of, for some reason, it just, it made me feel better knowing that you supported it. And I think it's just because of the connection wow. we've, you know, gotten over the years and stuff, but um, you know, who knows what would have happened if you would have poo-pooed the idea, <laughs> but uh, I really right. appreciate your friendship, man. Like it, it really means a lot to me. And I want people to know that you are a big reason why this show even started, because if you didn't accept that Facebook invitation from me, who knows where the group would have gone, who knows where anything, because uh, you know, that group is where it all started. Uh, so I just want to say thank wow. you very, very much for that, man. Oh, man, you're welcome. I got to tell you, Tony, it was uh, was an honor when you called. I had to think about it because I didn't know if I could commit time. You know, why do something if you can't? And and it was a small group then. I remember that. But I know it was going to grow. The way you had that group run was, was great. I mean, you didn't run it. You let it run itself as long as it didn't get out of control. And, uh, and I got to say now, you know, with the things that have happened over the years, I back down as an admin a lot and just kind of let the thing run itself and, and don't interject much. It's, you know, I think it's a great group. We really got, I don't think we've had many issues on that group and I've seen so many with others. It's, uh, right. it's crazy, but yeah, you know, it's funny that you said that I, I, I can recall some of them conversations and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, being supportive because as you know, I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to them. Like I do listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. I listen to some others and your show, but not every episode. And I, I'll catch them probably after they went live or after, you know, the live ones or, or maybe a week later after they've been put on the air, whatever. It's just, I don't sit around and listen to them. And, and it's kind of strange that I don't, but uh, yeah, I don't, but I, I just knew you would be good. You know, just the way you are, you're open, you're receptive. You really wanted to learn. That's one thing that I loved about when you asked me on at that point. Well, actually, what happened was I think I was barely a member on your site and wasn't posting much. And you had asked somebody if they were out in Western Pennsylvania and could offer a guy assistance. He was visiting or in a camper or something, and he was having a lot of issues, and he had to go out and get his cameras down. Yeah. But there was so much activity going on. He needed somebody's help. And I was at work, and I, I, was, I took a break and called you or was texting you or something, I thought you meant like this weekend coming up to go out and help him. And you meant like, no, drop what you're doing. And he needs something. And I couldn't do that because I was at work, <laughs> but I'll never forget that. I was like, wow, that's cool. 
And, you know, I wish I could have went out and helped them, but it was at that point that we, I really took off with the group and started getting in involved a little bit more, you know, and then, uh, as it went, yeah, we've, we've attended the Ohio conference together and, and I'm just grateful that I met you because, you know, I don't want to bring up bad things, but you know what happened about a year ago and you were there, you dropped everything and put a show on, uh, to help me get through the loss of Ray Ann. And, and it was just, I still watch that video sometimes, Tony, <laughs> because I need to, <laughs> it was very heartfelt. You are really who you are. And that's why I do, you know, offer as much support as I can with you. It's, you're not out there just to, to put your name out there. You're out there because you want to learn and you want to spread what you learn and, you know, and make the show popular. I mean, that, that's why have a show if it's not going to be, I mean, even if a couple people are listening to it, that's great, but why not hit the masses as much as you can? And that's what you've done. I think you've done a great yeah. job with it. As little as I listen to them, you know, not just because we're friends, your show is one of the few that I would listen to. I think anyways, just because of how it is. Uh, you know, I, re I remember Dave, I remember when I did that, I think it was uh, Derek. I don't want to say his last name, but I think it was Derek yeah, it that was. needed help. And uh, yeah, I remember that because now I look back at that and I think, man, I was in a totally different place back then when I first started the group, I was married but I didn't have any kids. So I, I pretty much could yeah. do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I just thought everybody else could do the same thing. And I'm like, who can stop uh -huh. what they're doing right now in their life and go help this guy. <laughs> and oh, like, I wanted oh. to so bad. I just couldn't leave. <laughs> I leave for it. No, yeah. It was right up yeah, the street. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, I forget what I was going to say, but uh, yeah, man, I just really appreciate that and stuff. So, um, you know, you're a good friend and I really, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, and yep. you know, Wes, it's now your turn for my public thanks. You know, I know you hate it too, but I got to do it because, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget what, how that whole thing developed because, you know, I'm a big fan of the show and, you know, I listen to Sasquatch Chronicles every Monday when I go to work in my truck. And that's one of the first shows that I listen to. And, I remember I'm in my truck and I had just backed into a dock at night. It's dark out. I'm getting ready to go home. And I get this Facebook video call from Wes Gerber. And Wes, you and I talked for like 45 minutes. It was really cool. And uh, one of the things you said is you saw that the, because most people don't know this, but the confessional started on YouTube. Now, most people don't know that. I think it's just, it was a podcast, whatever. And that's what it is now. It's a podcast. But at the time it was a YouTube series that I was doing with people in Pennsylvania that saw Bigfoot. I would just call them up. I'd record it on my phone. And like, literally I had an app on my phone that I hit record and would record my voice and their voice at the same time. And I would just say, you know, state your name and uh, tell us what you saw. And they would do that. And I'd be, they'd be like, all right, thank you very much. And that was about it. I mean, that's literally what the confessionals was at the one time. And uh, Wes, I don't know what it was, but you called me and you said that, you know, you thought I could turn it into a podcast. And, uh, you know, you didn't know that, you know, I had already, you know, I have two studio microphones sitting on my desk right now. I have, you know, different things I already had set up for this type of thing because I used to mess around with audio production back in the day. Uh, but you just encouraged me to do that. And, you know, I took you, took you up on it and you've helped me, you know, through the steps of getting up a, a show and what does it take to get an RSS feed to iTunes and all that bull crap, you know, that's a pain in the butt. And you just kind of helped me walk through the process. And I just, I really appreciate that, man. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, man. Like I said, uh, I, you know, like even the show we, we put out tonight where I was talking about my encounter, 
you know, I, I think you're a better interviewer than I am. And I meant that when I said it. And I think there's a lot of skill sets to your show. I, you know, it's like I told you, don't, don't just corner yourself in with Bigfoot, go with everything. And you've done a great job, Tony. You don't owe me any thanks. You don't owe me any, because um, as you know, as you know, well know as, as much as I know, uh, to build a successful show is nothing more than hard work. I don't care what anyone says. It's it's nothing but hard work. You have to forgive my voice uh, for the audience listening. I'm I'm still fighting this cold, but uh, you did a great job, man. You did a great job. You don't owe me anything. Thank you for the kind words, but you really don't owe me anything. You you know you uh, you did it yourself, man. It's a cool show. Well, I listen to it, and there's very few podcasts I listen to, and The Confessionals is definitely one I listen to all the time. Well, I appreciate that, man. I really do. Uh, it looks like we have our first caller, and um, it's uh, last four digits. It's 0551. So I just screened this guy. His name is Buddy. Buddy, how you doing, man? You're on live. I'm, I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, so let me ask you a question, Buddy. Uh, obviously, you listen to the confessionals. Uh, when did you first start listening to the confessionals? Honestly, um, it's been a little while now, but I actually got word from uh, Sasquatch Chronicles, <laughs> believe it or not. Right on. And, uh, how to West? And then I started right listening. Yeah, what's up, what's up Wes? <laughs> what's going on, buddy? Good to talk with you, man. Thanks for yeah, calling man, in. I, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys, man. I, every week I listen religiously. I look forward to it coming out. It helps me get through my day and yeah, I just wanted to call in and give thanks because you guys really do help out a lot. I appreciate everything. I'm actually thinking about starting a podcast on my own here soon. So, <clears throat> right on, right. man. That's awesome. Well, thank you, brother. Um, you so, know, buddy, you what what part of the country are you in? I'm in uh, West Virginia. West Virginia. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Did you listen to I Killed Bigfoot? Uh, yes, I did. It's been a while, but yeah. Okay. That's episode 31. So, uh, it, it has been a while since I aired it and stuff. What has been your favorite episode so far? Um, honestly, man, I just, I, I really don't know if I have one. I like them all. I just, every week it gives me something to look forward to. And yeah, I just, I like them all, man. Oh, that's great. I man. like that's... the, I like how, I like how every week it's something different. You know what I mean? It's, it's always something different, and I, I just really like how I like just, yeah, it's awesome, bro. That's cool. So are you a Bigfoot guy first? Is that your first love when it comes to uh, paranormal stuff? Uh, not really. I just, I'm just a fan of the paranormal in general, and, I mean, I, I'm open-minded. I definitely believe there's definitely more out there, you know what I mean? And to be honest, I was calling in to bust your balls about the Eagles, but they won, so. <laughs> you know what? Hey, buddy, let me tell you something. I didn't even know what happened to the game until Dave called in to tell me before we went live. I literally didn't watch one minute of the game. I didn't even know what the score was until Dave told me they won. So <laughs> I've been a little right, busy today. You know? Saturday yeah, is my, my busy day. Right. Yeah, I'm a big Redskin fan, man, so I got to – Wait till next year. That's what I've been saying every year since I've been a kid. Next year, but <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you something. Oh, yeah, out, of, out of all the all the teams, you got Dallas, you got the Eagles, 
you got the Giants, and you got the Redskins. Uh, those four teams, I think it's safe to say that the Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys, we really do feel bad for you guys. So, I mean, we We'll have to see about that next year, huh? <laughs> oh, Keep saying it, man. Keep saying it. Oh, man, buddy, I really oh, appreciate you calling me. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, like I say, th- keep putting out good work. And Wes, you too, man. I look forward to Southside Chronicle every week. And I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yep, y'all have All a right. good one, Tony. I'll, I'll, let's, I'll be looking forward to it next week. Right on, brother. It's going to be up. All right, man. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, that was awesome. That was really cool. I mean, Wes, I, I, I remember you told me you used to do the uh, the blog talk, you know, studio and stuff back in the day. This is this is a lot of fun. Uh, so I got um, I see we have another caller on the line here. So just hang in there. Twelve ninety seven. Uh, we'll get to you in a few minutes here. Uh, guys, I wanted to, you know, do some things tonight here where I wanted to kind of look back at this year and some of the episodes that, you know, really I enjoyed either, you know, interviewing or listening to myself, you know, just kind of like, you I know, that 12 gauge and I blowed its head off that one, you know, who, who doesn't like that one? I've gotten so <laughs> many, <laughs> I've gotten so many people who the first thing they say in an email, I blowed its head off. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, got one. People, I did listen to that one. Yeah, I mean, it, we were just talking to Buddy, and, and Buddy, if you're still listening, that, that was from episode 31, I Killed Bigfoot, uh, where I interviewed a guy named Brian, and Brian comes on, and he's from Gallia County, Ohio, which is right on the border of Ohio and West Virginia, and you can totally tell in his voice he's from West Virginia. Uh, he's a great guy, though, and uh, he's got to sharing what happened to him you know, and he kind of started it off when he was a kid. I think he was 14 and he saw these things. And for him, it's just a matter of fact kind of thing where he just knows they're there and he doesn't like them. And so let's listen to uh, Brian's encounter here of when he saw uh, Bigfoot and then when he killed the Bigfoot. Well, to be honest, it's my first sighting. I was about 14 years old. Me and two of my buddies, I I really don't want to give any addresses or exact locations, properties. That's just because all the idiots, now if they were real Bigfoot researchers, I wouldn't remind mine too much. But we all know how idiots can be. So it all started about when I think I was about 14 or 15, me and two buddies. We were on some trails, and across the, oh, I'd say it was about 1,000 yards away, we seen something that kind of looked like a bear move through the woods. And I yelled at my buddy, and I said, hey, what the hell is that? And we are sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden it just stood up and walked like a man. And we sat there, we're not even sure if it even realized that we were even there because we were scared to death at that time. And that was the first time I ever seen a red one. But still today, we, we, well, later on I figured out what it was, but for the longest time we could not believe what it was. Okay. So how far exactly was it away from you? Oh, about a thousand yards. 
see, we was on one side of the hill, then it broke down into a big valley, then it went up on the other side of the hill, and it was walking right to left, dead center in the middle of the hill. But you got to understand this, it was dead winter. So all the trees, all the plants, everything, it was clear. It was clear-cut woods. We could see right into it. At first, we thought it was a bear. Then all of a sudden, it just stood up and walked off. And, I, and I've always hunted ever since I was 10 years old. And I told my buddies, I was like, for one, we don't have brown bear in the state of Ohio. And for two, they don't move like that. But I never, it never comprehend that it was an actual Bigfoot that we seen. That happened years later. That was the first time you saw a Bigfoot on your property. Yeah. Uh, is that the same property well, that you live actually, on now? Well, actually, that one, he wasn't exactly on the property. See, we moved away. Then when my mom had to move back to the same road that the property was on that way. I seen the first one. She had bought property on that road. And the distance apart between where we started seeing them like five years ago is only three miles away. So the first sighting was not on our property. That happened years later. Okay, I got you. So it was in the same area, though. Yes. Yeah. Three miles away. Gotcha. All right. So that was the first time you saw one. What happened next? Like what brought, what brought them to your attention on your property years later? Well, she bought the property. She needed help moving in and stuff. And I just went through a bad breakup. So I moved in long enough to help her. Everything was going okay. Never even thought of it. I mean, I wasn't even thinking Bigfoot. I was sitting out on the porch, smoking a cigarette, you know, just watching traffic going by, you know, just being bored. And right about dark, I heard the longest, loudest howl I've ever heard in the woods. And I was thinking, what the hell is that? And it was roughly about this time of year, actually. In the evenings, we'd hear it. Then it was getting louder, then louder, then louder. Then we noticed 50-pound bags of dog food, with brand-new bags of dog food, would disappear overnight. And stuff rattling the trash cans. Something sounded, and they call them wolves, but I, thought it was, I was like, what the hell is making that? So one night I got up, I grabbed the high-powered rifle, walked out on the porch, hit the spotlight, and there it was standing there in the field. Same damn thing I seen 10 years later. And I thought, what the hell? That's somebody goofing off. Somebody in the monkey suit trying to scare the crap out of people. That's exactly what I thought it was. Then hunting season came in. Then that's when he got real close. He was probably nine foot tall probably about five foot wide and I was turkey hunting and I was in solid camo right up against the tree. I blended in so perfect a human could walk by, not even know I was there. 12 gauge shotgun, semi-automatic, camouflaged. I was camouflaged from head to toe, man. I looked like a moving tree through the woods. 
got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed its head off. And that would have been my third encounter. <laughs> and that would have been my third encounter. Wes, I know when we were uh, going over this show and stuff, that was one of your favorite parts when he actually paused and he's like, and that would have been my, <laughs> he's just so matter of fact about it. Uh, one of the things about Brian is, uh, you know, cause I, you get, when you have somebody saying they killed a Bigfoot, clearly you're going to have people say, He's lying. He's lying this, that, and the other, right? Uh, but I had a lot of people say, this guy just wants attention, blah, 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 blah. Brian didn't even know what the confessionals was. I found him. He's, he's, uh, he was in some kind of group, and they were talking about Bigfoot, and he said, well, that's not true because blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, how do you know? He's like, because I've killed one. And everybody jumped on him. So I just PM'd him. I said, hey, Brian, I'm not looking to, you know, jump all over you. I just would like to hear your story. And him and I talked on the phone a couple of times and I got the gist of his story and I decided to bring him on because his story didn't change from time to time. It was the same thing every time. And, uh, Brian, when we were recording, I think it's even on the, on the actual episode itself, I told him about at the end about how, you know, when the show goes live, I'd let him know. And he's like, well, how would I know where to listen to it? Where am I going to be able to listen? He had no clue what a podcast was and all this stuff. Like this is not his realm he just he knows what he has on his property and he hates him uh Wes I know we talked about it before and stuff but uh what were your thoughts on that whole episode with Brian (laughs) I loved him man I thought he was an awesome witness yeah Yeah, (laughs) sorry man yeah Wes is uh trying to meet up yeah no I'm, I'm dying of the plague no, I thought he was awesome. I, I didn't get a sense at all he was making anything up. Um, I've talked to many witnesses on and off the air, and I, he was legit in my mind. Um, I, I just didn't get a sense that he was he was full of it. And I loved how direct he was on everything. Um, it, probably one of my favorite, uh, most favorite shows. Sorry, my voice is kind of going in and out. Um, it's the pneumonia, but he, um, I loved him. I thought he was awesome. I would have loved to have him on my show. I would have loved to have interviewed him. I was so jealous when he had him on the show because there's a lot of things that he said as far as descriptions and go along the lines to where he couldn't have known that unless he had seen them. I thought it was great, man. I thought you did a great job with it. And he let him talk. You know, you let him tell us his encounter story. Yeah. I thought you did a great job. Great witness and um, way better than Dave. Uh, I would definitely. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Um, I'm just playing with you, Dave. Yeah, no, uh, I, I thought he was great. Yeah, I thought he was great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really. Same, go ahead, Dave. Same here. I, I had no. You know, you go into that show thinking, oh, here we go. This ought to be fun to listen to. But it wasn't too long into it that I thought the same thing, just from the description and the way he was real matter of fact and. You know, it it just sounded like this guy really did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it didn't leave too many doubts in my mind either. Yeah, it, it was it was one of my most uh, interesting shows to put out because it, you know you're going to get heat for it. Like I knew when I put that show out, I'm going to catch heat for it. There's going to be people out there that are you know going to call BS and all that stuff, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I would like to say this though because. 
of some things that were said just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't want to point fingers or anything like that. I'm not going to turn this into one of those shows, but I would say this. There have been interviews that I have, have done. I've conducted interviews that will never see the light of day because when I was done talking to the person, I didn't feel comfortable putting it on the air. So anything that you listen to my show on, you hear me put a show out, it's because I at least authentically believe this person is not lying. Okay. It's, it's, it's just that plain and simple. So uh, when it comes to Brian and his encounter and stuff, clearly I believed him and uh, we'll leave it at that. I mean, it's just a, a great uh, encounter. And I just want to hear this one part one more time. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed its head off. I blowed its head off. I love that. And that would have been my third encounter. Oh my gosh. I, we, we might, that might be a drop throughout the night because that's, just, <laughs> that's just fantastic. I, I love them. So uh, speaking of Ohio and Brian in Ohio, we have a listener, Matt Carver, who wants to come on. Uh, Matt Carver is actually a uh, former guest on the show and uh, he is also from Ohio. So Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So before we get too deep into things and stuff, why don't you just let the audience know what episode you were? Uh, that should have been episode uh, 34, the uh, Haunted Church. Cursed Church. Close enough. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cursed Church. Cursed Church. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So we had you and your wife on, and it was really interesting. And I, I, I think we can spill the, the, the beans on this a little bit here tonight since, you know, it's been so long. You and I did this interview beforehand, and yeah. you talked about your wife's encounter at the church. And so you start out the show with when you were in high school and you had a Ouija board and, you know, uh, you were uncomfortable with it and all that stuff. And then you went into your wife's encounter with uh, a haunted church that you guys were intending. I mean, that's just basically what yeah. it was. And, yes. you know, I, I think I text you. I remember it was going to be show 17, episode 17. And uh, yep. you, you told, I told you that your show was up that week and we were, I was excited. And you said, Hey man, my wife's not feeling it. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was like, yeah. I was like, Oh man. So I, I put another show together that week and stuff. And I didn't know if that show was ever going to see the light of day because I thought it was yeah. a great interview yeah. that you did with me. And you know, yeah. until, until your wife was comfortable with the idea of you sharing this whole story of the hit, your family and what happened at the church and stuff, uh, that show wasn't yeah. going to air. And so, I yeah. mean, from that point on, what happened? Like, how, how did your wife uh, feel comfortable after a while of coming on the show and talking with me? So it wasn't even you sharing the story, but it was actually her coming on then and sharing the story. And if she's listening, feel free to say hi, Leslie. Okay. Hey, I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I remember uh, I first found out about you through Wes and uh, Sasquatch Chronicles. So, hey, Wes, how's it going? It's going good, man. Going good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So, and then that's that's how I found you, Tony. And because uh, I've been listening to Seth Watch Chronicles for about, uh, well, it's been about a, over a year and a half now. So it's been six or months or so. And uh, I started listening to your your podcast and your interviews. And I remember you had a guy on there who was talking about um, 
uh, Ouija boards and, and, and demons and everything else. And I thought, man, well, I got a pretty interesting Ouija board uh, story. So that's how I, you know, I decided to reach out and contact you. But after we did uh, the interview, and I said, listen, I said, Tony wants to talk to you. And, and she was okay with that at first. And then as it started getting time, you know, to actually sit down and, and, and talk to you about it, um, it, 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 it bothered her. It, it bothered her. It kind of freaked her out because I think she was thinking, okay, I'm going to have to relive this all over again. But she really hadn't talked about it much. And you, I, that, that was one of the hardest texts I ever had to write because I thought, here you are getting ready to put on this show. And, but that's my wife and she was having a hard time dealing with it. And you were great. And you said, man, don't worry about it. I understand. Uh, tell her it's okay. You know, keep in touch with me and let me know how things are going. And, um, so I really appreciated that from you. And just from, you know, she listened to, uh, some of your podcasts and just getting a sense of how you were. And I said, you know, listen, I said, if, if, if this can help somebody, I said, I, I want my interview out there because if it can keep someone from messing with one of those things, or if someone had had a bad encounter, they're not, they're not alone. You know, maybe hearing someone else talk about theirs, they don't think they're crazy. Um, and when she looked at it like that, you know, she's like, okay, I want to do this. And, you know, we set the time. And I think it turned out great. I think it gave her a lot of, I mean, this is kind of cliche, but closure on the matter. Um, and, and, and you also had sent, sent me some other interviews from other podcasts that you had listened to. And when she listened to those, she's like, yeah, this, you know, this, this really happens. This is real. My experience you know, is, is, is a little different than some other people, but this, this, this kind of stuff really happens. And I think that helped her a lot also. Um, so, you know, I know you and I've talked uh, about some other stuff, but you know, in, in, in my, in all my years, I mean, I've been out in the woods and, and hunting and fishing, I've seen some weird things. And when I hear other uh, interviews, uh, whether on your show or Wes's that people, you know, come out and they just tell you what happened. It, it does help you because sometimes you see things or hear things and you're like, I just didn't hear or see that, or that's what was that? That don't seem right. Uh, but yet when you hear other people are having similar encounters or similar things happen to them, um, it, it makes you feel a little bit better. So I, I hope if anybody was dealing with anything like what I went through and definitely what she went through, uh, that, that helps them. And I think it's great that both you guys, you guys are so good at what you do and, and you guys are, are great interviewers and you listen, you don't, you know, cut in and, uh, you guys do a really great job and you guys are easy to talk to. I mean, I, I can tell from people who talk to Wes, I talking to myself, Tony, and everybody else you've had on and listening to, uh, you know, the episodes, interviews and stuff. Um, you guys got a gift for this. And, and I think that's just great. Well, let me just cut you off right there since you said I don't cut people off. And <laughs> 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 Oh, man. Well, listen, Matt, I really appreciate those kind words. And, man, I'll tell you what, like uh, every episode that I've done, 
it was a learning process for me. And it's been interesting this week. I've been listening back at a lot of the shows, trying to pick, you know, what shows were one of my favorite shows. And uh, I had to narrow it down. Uh, your show was one of my uh, absolute uh, educational shows for me. And it wasn't because uh, of what you guys necessarily said, but what you guys encountered at your church sent me down a whole path of uh, seeking for more knowledge. Um, so for me, I told you right off the bat when we first did the interview that I absolutely believe that churches can be haunted and it's just a building. Uh, it, it's not yeah. God himself. It's literally just, yeah. you know, bricks and mortar. Uh, there's nothing special about a building itself. And, um, but it, it sent me down this path where I started uh, looking to see, you know, is there any other instances that this happened and, and things like that. And I, I, I came across uh, something that I, I really didn't know much about. And, and I started learning about it more and more, uh, which is the fact that uh, I have found many, many interviews by ex-Satanic priests saying that one of the things they do is they do curse churches. They do go into yeah. churches and they pretend to be a member of the church trying to, you know, seek the Lord only to create havoc within the church body, whether it's financial, sexual things. Uh, there, there's a lot of different ways they go about trying to divide a church, but their goal is to split the church. And uh, several interviews, I've heard people say this. And the one interview, the guy said he's, he's been personally responsible for splitting over 100 churches up. And so, like, yeah. uh, th it's a very real thing, you know. And you're not the only interview that I've done that with. There's a guy in Canada. His name's Nate. I did an interview with him where he talked about uh, somebody. You know how people do these uh, drawings where it looks like one thing, but if you look at it a certain way, it'll look like something else? Well, Mm -hmm. Somebody did a drawing for the church, the pastor of the church, and it, it was, you know, I think he said it was Jesus on the cross kind of thing. And but if you turned it upside down, in I think he said in, in Jesus's beard was drawn a Baphomet. And so, like, one day they got rid of that 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 painting or whatever it was. A lot, I guess, a lot of their problems went away. But uh, it's just interesting how you know the the Christian church can become under attack by. Uh, these kind of things. And, you know, your show and, and your wife's encounter uh, really kind of pushed me into a direction of actually looking into it a little bit more. I knew it was possible. I knew it was there, but uh, actually talking to somebody who ex experienced these things uh, really kind of, you know, prods you to, you know, do further research. So uh, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and sharing with us. Uh, you've been a, a good friend of mine, actually, since we've been uh, connected through the show. And I really appreciate that. Don't ever be a stranger. Uh, you got my number, man. I won't, buddy. You guys take care. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. So, all right. So Matt, he and his wife came on and that was a, that was a great time. It really was. It was a lot of fun having him and his wife. It was a dual interview. So he did one part, she did the other, and they kind of did it together at the back end. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't don't know that backstory where his wife kind of put the put the brakes on the show initially uh and i totally am fine with it because like it's we're dealing wes you know this just like i do we're dealing with sensitive material when it comes to these encounters people have whether it's paranormal ufo abductions bigfoot whatever it is this is sensitive stuff because this actually happened to real people and they're opening themselves up to share with you know us personally and our audience and so when somebody says, no, I, I'm not feeling comfortable with this, you have to respect those wishes. And uh, so I, I totally, uh, 
I'm totally fine with what happened. And obviously the show aired in the end anyways. It's like two months later. It was awesome. It was great. I loved it. Now, I said earlier that Matt was going to be episode 17. Well, who was episode 17 instead? It was Jason Weaver, uh, the episode I Touched Bigfoot. And uh, Jason details some you know, paranormal experiences that he's had uh, throughout his life, really. Uh, but then he goes into talking about the time he was berry picking with his cousin and he's actually touched a Bigfoot. And I think we should try, probably check that out right yeah, now. Yeah, the butter bowls, you know, the parquet butter bowls, you know. Yeah. So who can fill the, their butter bowl the fastest? And I always make this point because if you've ever gone blackberry picking as a kid, you know that when you're picking berries, usually one hits the bowl and two hit the mouth, you know. So we're having fun eating and picking and, and it, you know, we're we're hanging out and you know, it's a beautiful day and summer and, and my cousin goes into kind of a meltdown and he was, like I said, he was kind of a weird kid then. He wore, you know, uh, real thick glasses and he was kind of a, you know, kind of a goofy looking kid. And he starts going into this meltdown, like, I want to go home. 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 And he was, you know, whimpering like that. And finally, after doing that, I'm like, what's wrong? You know, that kind of thing, asking what's going on. And finally, he drops his bowl and he jets out of there and he runs behind me. He was picking to my left and he runs behind me and catches the trail to the tractor road and up the road he goes. And I'm like, ha, more berries for me, you know? So I get to picking, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to win this contest. What a baby, you know? And I'm just picking and picking along and eating and, and working my way. And, and I hear a whistle to my right, which is the area that Jerry had run. And it went, real loud, but it was, you know, about like that. And I turn and I'm looking and there's nobody there, but I'm like, knock it off, Jerry. Quit trying to scare me or whatever. I know it's you, you know, whatever I might've said, something like that. And I go back to picking the berries and I'm working around this cove. And, you know, when you're picking berries, you ever blackberry pick? When I was a kid, yeah. Okay. You know, when you're picking them, you don't even have to look to know they're ripe, you know, when you, all you have to do is tug on them. And if they're ripe, they fall into your hand. Fall you right know? Off. So when you're picking, you're usually looking for the next cluster to go after. Well, that's what I was doing. And I hear this whistle again. And as I'm turning, I'm reaching into the thicket. And as I'm turning to look at this whistle again, I hear, I heard the whistle and I reach my hand into this bush and I touch hair. Okay. And I always, when I tell this story, I always say I've touched everything in a berry, berry thicket. I've touched snakes, sunning, and I've touched bird nests. I've touched birds. You know, I've touched some wild stuff, but I'd never touched hair before. So as soon as I touched it, I immediately pull my hand back and I look and I see this figure. And I step back and I'm probably eight to 10 feet back from this bush. And I'm looking at this bush and I can see... It's thigh and it's calf, where it's thigh and it's calf come together. It was squatting with its arms between its legs. I could see its massive uh, tricep, see its shoulder, see the back of its head. And every time I'm I'm trying to see what it is I'm looking at, and I can't fathom what it is I'm seeing, and I can't see its face. And every time I adjust, it would adjust, like it kept putting its head into the thicket. And I look down, Tony, and I see it's 
little toe. See his three toes on his right foot, his three outside toes on his right foot. And I realized that they look like people toes, you know. And when I saw these toes and realized what I was looking at, my body immediately shut down and I felt all the all the wind leave my body. And I couldn't I couldn't breathe. I wet my pants. And I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a, a monster and it's black, dark black, cold gray colored, you know, and it wasn't bulky, but it was cut, man. And I finally, my fight or flight mechanism kicked in and I dropped my bowl and I ran like my cousin and ran back up the hill and, uh, told my parents I saw a monster saw a monster all right so that was Jason Weaver that was Jason Weaver uh I'm sorry I just repeated myself there I wasn't sure if I uh was live yet or not anyways uh Dave I just heard you say wow isn't that crazy man oh man the voice his voice uh yeah it it comes back like that but wow Yeah, it, it's absolutely insane. I mean, I can't imagine reaching your hand into a berry bush and, and touching one of these things. It's absolutely incredible. So uh, I, I think I would take, uh, how do I say this? I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed its head off. I think I would blow its head off before <laughs> I touched yeah. it. <laughs> oh, man. So, That's going to be all right, so, Yeah. Uh, so we have um, a lineup of calls here tonight. And uh, before we bring any more calls on, we have a special guest that just stepped in, and it so happens to be my lovely, wonderful <laughs> wife, Lindsay. Lindsay, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I am very tired. I'm holding a five-week-old right now. Yes. <laughs> I'm a little sleepy. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> so, uh, Lindsay, everybody, everybody, Lindsay. So, <laughs> um, hey, Lindsay. You know, Lindsay Lindsay, uh, you and I—I I, I told you I wanted you to come on the show if you could. I wasn't sure if you'd be able to, but uh, I don't. This isn't going to be real long. I know you, you're busy here, but I want you to share with people just kind of like the your experience as my wife. <laughs> and you know, I'm 32 years old now. We've been married for 10 years. Uh, actually, it's almost 11 now. Yep. And you've experienced my enthusiastic my enthusiasm for entrepreneurism, and you've seen <laughs> me try many many things. Uh, and fail at them. Uh, How did you feel when I told you I was going to start a podcast on top of everything else I already do? I I, I honestly don't even remember exactly the the exact moment you told me you were going to start a podcast. And I think, one, sleep deprivation (laughs) is preventing me from remembering. (laughs) And two, because, again, like you just said, you've tried so many things that kind of all at some point (laughs) <laughs> blends together. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, the exact moment you said, I'm going to start a podcast, I don't really recall, but um, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's the first thing you've tried that you actually, actually laid the foundation for first and then built upon yeah. instead of trying to do it in reverse. And <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bad habit of have, seeing the, the end game <laughs> and thinking that the end game should come before the beginning. And uh, that's just not how you build things. I've, I've tried so many different things. I, I, I mean, I, I did, if anybody listens to the Renegade podcast, you know that I told Wes on the, on the show that I, uh, I was in Amway. I did Amway. I had a, 
uh, a cleaning company briefly with a partner. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, sports company you yes. tried, some kind of sports camp. Yes, uh, sports <laughs> camps, um, center court athletics. I had that company for a while. Uh, I've tried so many different things and, and I always like, I buy the t-shirt before I have the customer kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> More like 500 t-shirts. Yes, <laughs> it really was. I bought like 500 t-shirts and stuff. I was like, this is going to be great. They're going to sell like hotcakes and nobody <laughs> bought one except for like my parents, you know? <laughs> oh man. Good I always, times. I've, I've always had a supporting cast. So I've always had people that love me and supported me through my enthusiasm and uh, my parents and my, my brother, my sister, uh, and you, obviously, uh, my, my family has always been there for me. And I, I don't think you guys necessarily understand me, but you deal with me, <laughs> you know, you, you love me through it. Um, and I know, I, I remember, I still remember seeing your face when I told you I was going to start a podcast. Like, like, it was just like, oh, here we go. Like you thought I was settling into trucking. You thought, okay, he's gonna be a trucker now. Okay. We're locked in, locked and loaded. And I threw you that curveball. And uh, well, it, I think I kind of always expect with you that there's going to be another like you'll call me up, you know, any day of the week. Yeah. Hey, I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I did it this week. <laughs> I, I came up with a new uh, podcast uh, show to start. And uh, I, eventually, I'm not going to drop with what it's going to be on live <laughs> air. But uh, eventually, I'm going to be coming out with another show, hopefully, that's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. And I just saw it this week. So, uh, yeah. But I had to call you and tell you this week. Yep. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I'm a truck driver and all I do all day is I drive a truck and I think about things. So I have, I come up with so many ideas and that's one thing that if I ever stop driving truck, I'm worried that I'm not going to have the ideas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> driver on the block. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I, I just wanted to, you know, have you come on tonight just for a few minutes and just to let you know, for everybody else, I really appreciate you. And I wanted to say thank you for just bearing with me through the process. And this year wasn't easy because, you know, you saw the process. Like I come home from a 60 hour work week and I come upstairs and I work on the show and I, I literally treat it like it's a job and from the beginning. And so, uh, you know, it, it meant, you know, I'm not around as much and things like that, but you just supported me through it. And I really appreciate that. And now this year, 2018, we're facing our second year of the show and a whole new challenge now is here because little Ben is here with us. And I'm, I, I thought, you know, Wes, you told me when uh, I was, we were having the baby and you said, you know, the Renegade podcast might have to be put on the back burner. And I said, no way. Absolutely not. This is going to be cake. I see what you mean now, you know, and, and I'm not saying the Renegade podcast is going to put on the back burner, but I see what it is like to have a kid in the house. It is a lot more work than I thought it would be. Like I thought, oh, this is, this is easy. You know, how hard could it be? Uh, yeah. It takes a lot more time. A lot more time. You can hear him talking now. I know. You can hear that little guy. <laughs> hey, buddy. But, Linz, I just want to say thank you very much. And, uh, you know, hopefully the second year of the show continues yeah. to grow and we, uh, we see more success. Well, I mean, it's been 10 years of watching you try different ventures. And I think, I think for the first time, I'm actually seeing one that really fits you. And that's, I mean, that's refreshing. You finally find the fit. That's awesome. I'm really yeah. glad you said that. <laughs> Uh, it, it feels good to know that you have the support of your spouse. So I love you. I love my All little right, guy. I love Looks you. Like I'm going to go take this little crybaby out. <laughs> All right. If you could just pull the door shut. Sure. Down, See ya. You. All right, everybody. That was my wife, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay <laughs> Merkel. Um, Radio I, I, Gold, I man. Radio Gold. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, uh, good women are hard to find. Very, very hard to find, you know. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, with, with Lindsay, you know, I know, I know just from the Renegade podcast and 
you know, you and I have talked more off the air, Tony. Uh, we've become pretty good friends off the air, man. Cherish her, dude. Cherish her. Tell her how much you love her and buy her nice things. And, uh, you know, it's uh, good women are hard to come by, man. Very hard to come by. Yeah, yeah Tony, man, I'm, I, I'm impressed that you remember how many years it was. A lot of us forget that, you know, <laughs> just because we're guys. Oh, yeah. Let, let me tell you guys something. I'll tell everybody this. I'm very open about some things. And this is one of the things I'm very open about. And I tell everybody, and I'll just spill it to the whole world right now. Uh, one, obviously, I love my wife dearly. She's just absolutely the backbone. Uh, she, if it wasn't for Lindsay, honestly, of everything else, if it wasn't for Lindsay, this wouldn't be happening. Because bottom line is, if she said, I really don't want you doing this, I wouldn't have done it. Um, and so I'm really glad that she supported me through it. And her and I went through our ups and downs. You know, we've been married since we were 21 years old. I think when we were about 25, uh, I, I became a real craphead. I, I just went off the deep end and we had some serious marriage problems, but we worked through it. And I'll tell you what, that woman right there, she loved me through my issues and I'll never forget that. So she means so much to me. Uh, and let's bring it back now. I'm going I'm to get off that. Um, so we have some uh, callers lined up here tonight and we have a special Actually, guest let's, coming Actually, let's not here. get off. Let's What's not get that? off that for a moment. How the hell did you end up with Lindsay? How did a guy of your caliber end up with a woman of that caliber? <laughs> I, I don't get it, man. You got to tell us your secret. I, I don't I don't know. I, I guess I was cuter when I was younger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing I, with you, man. If you want to go to call, no, I'm just screwing with yeah. you. No, it's, it's, it's um, I, I don't know. I Honestly, there's, there's days that you, like I said, I'm in a truck. I'm thinking by myself all day at work. And... You're, when you're by yourself for 12 hours a day, turning a wheel and pushing pedals, you got a lot of time to think. And she comes across in my mind all the time. And just the fact that she stuck with me through my hard times. And she, she had the foresight. She saw, she saw down the road. And let me tell you something. I'm going to be a little, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to do it. Um, so one night uh, we, we were just, we were having issues and she, I came home. It was probably like one, two o'clock in the morning. I was drinking and She's sitting, she's sitting at the kitchen table and she's just waiting for me to come home. And that's not like my wife. She's like, she, she's tired early. She goes to bed. And so I knew something was up and through a long, through a long story short, uh, she had to get some things off her chest and she, and my wife isn't one for lots of words like me. I could talk for hours. Uh, Lindsay is less words, but she's very literate. Uh, so she writes a lot of things. And, and so she wrote a five page letter that she read to me at the kitchen table and she said a lot of things in that letter. But one of the things she told me is that uh, she knows that I still love her because at night I roll over and put my arm around her in my sleep. I'm telling you what, man, that messed me up. That, <laughs> that messed me up. Like I almost started crying right there and stuff. Uh, but she had the foresight of our marriage and she, uh, she just kept pushing through and stuff. And I just absolutely love her for it. Um, so let's just get off wow. that now before I start crying. We're not going to turn this into a, a counseling session. Uh, we have a great guest coming on here tonight. Um, he is a former guest of, of mine on the show, episode 15, Rocky Elmore. Rocky, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for uh, sticking around on hold for a little bit. We're uh, trying to juggle things here. Uh, Rocky, I wanted to bring you on today. Uh, to be honest with you, there's two reasons why I wanted to have you on today. Uh, one, because I absolutely love the show that we did together. And uh, also on top of that, though, I wanted to personally say thank you to you uh, because you were episode 15. And so 
you got to understand that I'm just starting a podcast. I'm 15 weeks into it. I don't really have a whole lot of shows. I, my, my, my podcast cred isn't really up yet. And, you know, you're the first person that came on my show that actually was published anywhere. So I've had a lot of guests on my show before that, that just, you know, they had experiences and they shared it, but you were the first person that either had a book or you, you know, things like that. Like you were actually published and you were willing to come on my show and talk with me about your experiences. And I'm telling you, Rocky, that, that meant the world to me. Like I didn't say it to you that day and stuff, but the fact that, you know, somebody who was a published author uh, with, great experiences, was willing to come on and talk to me. And it wasn't like, see, I, I, I've talked to people before that, you know, are in the spotlight and things like that. And they talked down to me and you didn't do that behind the closed doors. Like when the mic went on and everybody heard what you were saying, that's the same thing you were to me behind closed doors when the mics were off. And I really appreciated that, Rocky. And I wanted to let you know that uh, live on air in front of everybody. Uh, it was just your, your show was great and you're a great person. Well, thank you, and congratulations on your anniversary show and on your son. Uh, as you, you know, I had a son very late in life. I was 54, and now he is four years old, and I'm 58. So that's it is quite a handful. They get more active, and it, it gets tougher. <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoyed doing your show. I did, and I know we've, we've talked several times since then uh, about different things, and uh, we'll probably do – a lot more talking offline. <laughs> absolutely. I know we absolutely. have we have some common interest. For sure, absolutely. I mean, I know uh, you know, I I tend to um dive into the conspiracy bucket and uh there's been times that, you know, I've I text I text certain people just to ask them their thoughts on certain things and I've texted you in the past and stuff and you've, you know, just shared your opinion on certain things and I just really appreciated it. Like you've never, you know, separated yourself from me. Uh, and that's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, when I was, when I was new at all this, uh, I've had certain people that after they were done being on my show, they separated themselves from me. Like they didn't want to deal with me. Like I, they got what they wanted out of me and, uh, you didn't do that. You actually continue to be in communication with me and it says a lot for your character. And, uh, I would highly recommend anybody who's listening, who has a podcast to ha ask you to be on the show because, you got great things to say, and you're just a great person to talk with. So uh, that said, uh, Rocky, everybody knows that has listened to the show that you've written the book, Out on Foot, um, and that was just a fantastic book. In fact, I know, Wes, you interviewed Rocky. Uh, Rocky, what was one of the favorite things about that book that uh, you wrote? Like, I mean, what, was, was the process of writing the book your favorite thing, or was it the reminiscing of all the stories to put down the book? You know, like, what did you find about this whole thing about writing the book that you enjoyed? You know, since I'm not actually a, a professional author and this was the only book that I've written, I really didn't know how to go about it. And I had just retired and I had a four month old in the house <laughs> and uh, my wife's, some of my wife's family had come over from China to help us with the baby. So I had like three Chinese women in the house and a four month old baby. And I just retired and didn't know what to do with myself and, I thought, well, I'll just write this book. When I started writing the book, I actually started the initial pages out just typing it on notepad. And I would set up after everyone else went to bed, like at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, and I like to make my own homemade mead, which is a honey wine. And I would sit there and, you know, drink the mead and, and just type on this book. And whatever, I tried to relive the stories in my head. 
and I just typed them as I relived them because my goal was to um, help people feel what it was like to be out there and experience these things, to take them on a, a roller coaster ride. And that's kind of how I've treated this whole thing. My goal wasn't to sell a bunch of books or, or get well-known or anything like that. It was to just tell campfire stories that I thought people might like to hear from extraordinary people that had kept these stories to themselves. And I thought these stories are dying with these agents as these agents die off. And we lost a legend yesterday in the border patrol, but as they die off, their stories go with them and no one's telling them. And I thought I'm going to do it. And some of these stories were really bizarre, paranormal type stories. And I put them in there and for me, it was about the journey and not about the end process. Like you said earlier, you just jump in seeing the end sometimes <laughs> without seeing the beginning. Yeah. I guess for me, it was kind of the opposite. You know, I, I wanted to just not take myself too serious, enjoy the journey. And, and, and I have. And I've met lots of great people that have interviewed me. And many of them have become friends like you have. And it's just been a wonderful experience. These people I will keep in touch with for the rest of my life. Like with Wes, I believe Wes was either the first or second interview I did. And wow, then a couple of days that. later, yeah, Wes was right off the bat. He was either the first or second interview. And then a few days later, Wes invited me to come to California. And I took my family out to California and, and met Wes. And we went out to some of these locations where some of these events happened. Unfortunately, it rained on us the whole time, so we weren't really able to get to some of the actual locations. So um, I think Wes said that was just his bad luck. It rains on him a lot <laughs> when he gets out in the field. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, it was, you know, and, and that was a, a good experience too. And that's what it was all about, you know, was meeting people, uh, having fun, not taking things too serious, enjoying the journey. If I manage to prove something along the way, fantastic. And if I don't, then hopefully I entertained a few people. And uh, no, your interviews was one of the ones I enjoyed, really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just been good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm very grateful that you were uh, willing to talk with me. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where when you first meet somebody and you're just so impressed by them and you're just so thankful that they're actually willing to talk with you, but you're not going to say that right there. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, thank you very much and stuff. But I, I, you know, this week I was thinking about who I wanted to bring on the show and, uh, you know, I just wanted to see if you would do it. I'm glad you did because I just wanted to be able to have the opportunity to thank you publicly to everybody uh, because it meant a lot to me. Now, uh, Rocky, do you have any other things you're working on right now? outside of the book? I, I do. I'm, I'm not going to write a second book. For a while, I thought I might do a second book, but I've actually decided not to do a second book. Uh, the radio interviews have kind of, uh, you know, I, I, th I think I've interviewed with, with a lot of shows, and they've kind of died off, and, and that's okay because, you know, I'm ready to go on to another phase. And now it's kind of moving into uh, a cable TV webcast opportunities, quite a few opportunities. Actually, I'm trying to wade through about three or four different opportunities 
and I can't obviously I can't talk about them now because I don't know which direction I'm going to wind up going. But some of them are uh, quite good opportunities, that's and fantastic. that's kind of where it's going. Uh, it won't be necessarily. It won't be shows, per se, about my book. It will be paranormal things. I'll be moving into the field like you and Wes, except uh, I won't be doing it on radio. It will be on uh, some kind of TV media. That's great. I'm really excited about that, and I can't wait for the opportunity to promote it. (laughs) Uh, And and if I knew exactly what direction... If I knew what direction we was going, I would tell you right now and let you promote it. Right. <laughs> well, you know. But now um, I'm. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say earlier, you were talking about how much you enjoy conspiracy theories. And I don't talk about conspiracy theories in my book, but I do enjoy them. Uh, and I know that's one of the things we've talked a little bit about right. off air. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just um, with, with the cons- conspiracy bucket and stuff, I just uh, I can't help myself. I have to dive down it sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Rocky, you, you said about when you do have something, uh, you'd let me know so I can promote it. Uh, I, I'll use that as a segue to, to let people know uh, just kind of how the show went this year. Uh, now, on January 19th, 2017, I started the show. I launched the first episode, which was um, a farmer that saw two Sasquatch uh, out in his field. Actually, no, he saw one in the field, one in the woods. He saw them at two separate times, and it's in Western PA. And it was actually like one of those live events where uh, he contacted me shortly after this whole thing happened. And in fact, this guy contacted Dave Groves first, and then Dave passed them on to me. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, I remember. He was all excited, yeah. Uh, yeah. I couldn't help but pass it on. It was a story that needed to be heard. Right. And so you passed it on to me, and he was, turns into our first episode. Now, the first episode had 284 downloads on the first day, okay? And I was ecstatic about that. And uh, you say, as the year went on, we grew a lot. And uh, last month in December... Uh, we finished off the month at over 250,000 downloads for the month. Uh, and wow. that said, I want to say thank you to all the people out there that listen to the show because I didn't do that. You did it. You know, like, like Wes knows this just like I do. We're not the ones that make the show. <laughs> like it's the, it's the fans. Like if, if we were putting out a product that was crap, Nobody would listen, and we'd have nothing. Uh, but the fact that you guys listen, you guys are speaking that way and saying you enjoy the show, and I really appreciate that because uh, I never would have imagined that the show would have gotten that many downloads in one month, uh, in one year, in less than a year. And, uh, and the, just to let everybody know, the first week of January 2018, we had over 100,000 downloads. So we almost doubled what, or did half of what we did all the entire month of December in one week of January, and December was our best month ever. So, Rocky, that said, when you come on my show next time to promote something, hopefully we'll be in the millions of downloads a month. That's the goal. So <laughs> uh, that, 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 it's been a great year. Uh, the, the show's grown a lot. And, Rocky, I actually have some things queued up here that I'd like to play. Um, the first one is, is my favorite story you shared outside of, um, 
what, what was your what was the partner's name that that passed away off the cliff? Uh, Santiago, right? Agent Santiago, yes. Yes, uh, I, that was my favorite um, story that you shared. That was like a paranormal type story. Uh, but this story is my favorite story you shared that uh, had nothing to do with paranormal, but it was it was just funny. So let's take a listen. I really enjoyed doing that. <laughs> it probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do. But uh, when I was going through the academy, our instructors told us, they said, look, the Border Patrol is just different from other law enforcement. They said, here we're teaching you, you know, uh, things for liability reasons and things for safety reasons. But when you get out in the field and start working for real, you're going to break all of these rules because you can't work if you don't. This isn't normal law enforcement. So... uh, I put that to use one night. <clears throat> we had a group coming through Windmill Canyon, and I was down there with another partner. And normally, we tried to separate out. We didn't stay together because our goal was to get one guy to cut the group off at the front of the group, and then the other guy would drop in behind the group after it passed him up. And we were going to do that. We had a group of about 15 or so that was coming through Windmill Canyon right down through the bottom of it. And I was going to be the takedown agent, and I'd found a really great spot to hide and wait for them to come. But uh, unfortunately, it was getting very close to shift change, and it was a full moon. So it was very easy to see anyone coming down that trail. And when the guide got up to a certain point, he realized that. And he realized that if he went another 200 yards, that he would be totally exposed and and you know, we would see every move they made. The guide also knew it was getting very close to shift change, so he decided to just set his group down and wait. And he was going to wait and kind of flush us out. He's just assuming that, hey, there's probably agents down here to work us, so we're going to wait them out. So uh, we played that game for a little while. He waited and we waited. It was getting pretty close to time to go in, to the station, so my partner called me. He was south of the group. He said, these guys are still just sitting down. I think we're just gonna have to go down and try to get them. So I left my spot where I was hiding and I started hiking out in the open, right out in the bright moonlight. Now between, there's probably about 200 yards, 250 yards from where the group was hiding and where I was at the time. And about halfway down, there was a bend in the trail and that was going to kind of give me a little bit of cover to where I could at least get halfway down there before they would see me. So right before I got to that bend in the trail, my partner was up on the side hill watching the group through binoculars. And my call number at the time was 259, Bravo 259. And he said, hey, 259, they decided to get up and start moving all at once. He said, find somewhere to go. Well, I was totally exposed. There were no bushes. There were nowhere to go for me to hide to try to, to get the group. And I started looking around and thought, well, what am I going to do now? Because it was too far for me to go back to my original hiding spot. And my partner came over the radio again. He said, hurry up, 259. So they're coming around the bend right now. They're going to see you any second. So I just laid down right there on the trail, put my back up against a little embankment, and decided I was going to play dead. And I, I took out my 
revolver. We're carrying revolvers at the time. And I kept hold of it, and I stuck it underneath my leg in case it went bad and they decided to jump me. I could at least still defend myself. And uh, I was trying to time my blinks, so I would blink the last time right before they seen me. So sure enough, the, the smuggler walked up to me, and uh, I stared him right in the eye without blinking, and I just stared at him right in the eye, and I didn't move. And I was using my body to block the trail because they're very superstitious, and they don't want to step over a dead body. So I knew they wouldn't cross me. And the guy stood there, and he looked at me, and one by one, the group started to trickle up behind me, and they were all staring at me, and they started to talk between themselves as to whether I was dead or not. And they're saying, you, you think he's really dead? And uh, I heard one say, yeah, I, I think he's dead. Look, his gun's missing. And they talked about what they was going to do for a minute. And, and meanwhile, I had to blink so bad I couldn't stand it. And my partner was giving me uh, information over the radio, and he was saying, don't bust them yet, don't bust them yet, because the last one hasn't caught up, and they'll scatter everywhere if you bust them right now. And I'm thinking, well, I've got to do something pretty quick because I'm going to blink in a second and the game's going to be up. So I held out a little while longer and then finally my partner said, okay, they're all caught up, take them now. And I just sat right straight up and I pointed my finger at them. I said, sit down. And and they all just froze. They were terrified. (laughs) And uh, by that time I had gotten back up and, and they all sat down. He said, for this one guy in the back, there's always that one guy who just doesn't get it, you know. And he didn't sit down, so I walked over toward him and, and I pointed toward him again and I said a little more forceful. I said, you sit down. And uh, he, he was quivering and he had both his hands over his mouth and he took one hand away and he pointed at me with his finger and, it, and, and he goes, in English, he goes, oh, oh, it's you. <laughs> Yeah, it's me, and I sat down. And that guy collapsed down to the ground, and he had both hands on his chest, and he was gasping for air. You know, everybody in the group was laughing at him and making fun of him. (laughs) So that was that clip. I really enjoyed it. Before we, uh, I have a question for you, Rocky. I want to remind everybody if you want to call into the show, feel free to do so. The phone number is 713-955-0696. That's 713-955-0696. Call in, and we could bring you on live to chit-chat with us. Uh, it's a great big party tonight. Uh, Rocky, thanks for uh, being here. Now, I, I, I played that clip, and I, I want to ask you, you know, as a Border Patrol agent, what you did there on a scale to from 1 to 10, how dangerous of an operation was that? I don't really know, but that was pretty risky. Uh, I would have survived it because had they all jumped me, you know, I, I would have had no choice, obviously, but to open fire on them with being outnumbered and down on the ground already. Uh, but as far as it just being, you know, a good ideal to do on a regular basis, it wasn't a very good ideal to do on a regular basis. I remember, you know, that was probably 22, 23 years ago I did that, and I can remember that like it happened yesterday. But, yeah, I wouldn't recommend to people to, to do that on a regular basis. I'm I'm sure you would not find a uh, local law enforcement officer trying that <laughs> out with a bank robber. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I when I hear that story, I have this image of my head, and it's exactly what you pick, depicted there. 
And I just get this whenever I think about what you what you did, I get this like pit in my stomach, like of nervousness. Like it just it makes me so anxious uh, when I hear that. But it, it, it's, it's just a great story. And uh, your book had tons of great stories in it. And I actually have it on audio. It's on my um, my iTunes uh, book thing, whatever you call it, iBook. Uh, so I can listen to it while I drive. And I do because it, it's just a very entertaining book that actually pertains to what I'm into, paranormal stuff, just a lot of great stories. You know, you're a Border Patrol agent. It's just, it, it just fits me. And I, I just really enjoy your book. And uh, I wanted to ask you before we get out of here, uh, where can people find that book that you wrote? What I think it was in 2015, right? Yeah, it came out in 2015, and it's available on, on Amazon. Okay, what was the title again? Uh, Out on Foot, Nightly, let's see, uh, it's got a subtitle with it. It is Nightly Patrols and Ghostly Tales of a U.S. Border Patrol Agent. But uh, you can find it with Out on Foot. That's its main title. Okay, well, Rocky, I and really it's appreciate it. Uh, Go ahead. It's available in all the different medias, uh, uh, Kindle, you know, paperback, uh, audio, I don't think the audio had come out when we did the interview. I'm not sure that I had an audio version at that time, uh, but it's uh, all three medias out right now. So that's where they can get it. Amazon.com. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what, uh, on iTunes, I listened to the book and whoever narrated that book has the perfect voice for it. it it's just, it, it just, it totally takes you into the whole setting. It's, it's just a great listen. It's a great read. I highly recommend everybody checking it out. Rocky Elmore out on foot. Uh, Rocky, before, uh, as we uh, get out of here, I'm just, I'm just going to play one more clip of yours where you describe one of the Border Patrol agents tackling a cougar in the middle of the night. It's absolutely insane. Rocky, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, you know, the difference between tragedy and comedy uh, sometimes is nothing more than just time. Uh, someone... When I was going through school, they told us that all comedy is based on tragedy. So they're almost sure. interchangeable at, at times. And uh, so this uh, happened to a friend of mine. Um, he, was a, he was a trainee, and he was working with his journeyman, his training officer. Now, this guy had kind of been around the block a, a time or two. He was originally uh, from Chile. He... Uh, very colorful character. He had two Anglo-Saxon names, but he was Chilean. He had been in the Panamanian Army and had been through some pretty extensive jungle warfare training, so he could he could get around quietly in the woods. And then I believe he had been in the American Army as well, and then he went into the Border Patrol. Well, one of the first nights he was out in the field riding with his trainee, they were down around Marone Valley. And at that time, Marone, uh, Marone Valley was kind of the border between the Brownfield Station and the El Cajon Station. El Cajon worked the east side where Chicati Mountain was, and Brownfield worked the west side where Otai Mountain was. And a El Cajon scope operator had seen a group over on the Brownfield side. So he switched radio frequencies, and he called up a couple of Brownfield agents to see if they could work that traffic for them. So they did that. They they responded, and uh, Dalton, uh, the trainee, was with his journeyman, and they got out. And uh, Dalton was real eager to please, real friendly guy like that. And 
always eager to help. So nonetheless, the plan was uh, the scope operator told them, he said, now I've got the guide has crawled into a bush about 40 yards ahead of the group. Now there's about 30 in the group and the guide is out ahead of them. And I'll put one of you guys in on the guide and the other guy go get the group. So uh, Dalton volunteered to go take the guide out and the journeyman was gonna go after the group. So they split up and as Dalton approached on the, uh, the bush that the guide was hiding in, the El Cajon scope operator kind of got a little bit weird and said, hey, just jump in on him and wrap your hands around his mouth so he can't scream out and warn the other ones. Well, Dalton was new and that made perfect sense to him and he was eager to please, so he did exactly as he was told. He just jumped into that bush blind, no flashlight, no nothing, just dove into it head first landed right on top of the guide, wrapped both his hands around where he thought the guide's head was, and then the most unbelievable screaming you ever heard took place because it was a mountain lion. The, the, the wind had blown the scent's group, in, uh, the, uh, the group's scent into the cat's face. So he never heard Dalton come up from behind him because Dalton was... Uh, upwind from him, and he didn't catch his scent either. And he was so focused on that group that he was taken totally by surprise when Dalton jumped on top of him and wrapped his hand right around his head, just like he was told, and that cat just went ballistic on him and uh, managed to get loose from him, and he took one swipe at Dalton's throat, and his, the swipe got hung up on his vest, and that saved him. He missed his throat by about an inch, but he took the one swipe and then he ran away. He ran south toward uh, the training officer. The training officer spun around when he heard the cat screaming and, and Dalton screaming. <laughs> he spun around and tried to draw his weapon, but he was so shaken up, he dropped his weapon on the ground and the cat just kept running right on by him. All right. Well, that was Rocky Elmore. And I, again, really appreciated Rocky tuning in tonight and uh, chit-chatting with us for a little bit. Again, like I said, he was one of my favorite guests. Uh, one for the fact that he was the first published guest I had on the show that gave me the time of day. And uh, that means a lot to me. So, uh, Rocky, I really appreciate all the stuff that you've done uh, for me. And uh, I look forward to promoting anything that you come out with. So uh, if you're still listening, thank you very much. All right, so next up we have Jack coming on. Now, Jack, you've been sitting on hold for, I want to say, about 45 minutes, and I'm finally getting to you. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing all right, man. I just wanted to, to uh, give you guys some props, both you and Wes, actually. Uh, I've been a, a Sasquatch Chronicles subscriber since way, way back. Um, early on and you know i've been listening to your show since it came out as well and actually uh you know i, I want yeah, i've been listening to the, all the guests you know discuss you know how comfortable they are with you and you know and and also wes you know and thinking about what you guys do you know listening to people and it's so similar to what I do. I, I've, I don't know if I shared it during my episode, but I'm a alcohol and drug counselor and I 
I, my job is to listen and talk to people just like yours. And, uh, you guys definitely have a gift and you do help a lot of people and you definitely helped me, um, you know, when I was on there and I really just want to say thanks to both of you guys. Absolutely, man. Thank you for, uh, for those kind words. I really appreciate it. I know Wes is listening in and, uh, you know, yeah, thank sure you, brother. It too. Yeah. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for calling in, man. Thank you for the, uh, kind words, man. Jack, where Not are you a from? Problem. What state? I, I live in Wisconsin, actually. I'm a Packer oh, fan. Nice. We're sitting down at, uh, during the uh, playoffs. but There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. First time in a long time. but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm rooting Philly, so. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on now, Jack. <laughs> I was just starting to warm up to you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. <laughs> go Birds. Well, no, you know thank I'm you, Jack. I'm a Seahawks fan. What's that? You know I'm not a Seahawks fan. Yeah, well, neither am I. So, uh, But, no, thank you, man. Thank you for the kind of words. That was nice. Absolutely, dude. You All know, right, man. one of the things I, I've heard you ask a couple people about their favorite episode, and, you know, you already played a clip from my favorite off of your, off your show, Tony. And I have to say, Jason, uh, you know, I touched a Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely my favorite. And after connecting with you, uh, you linked me with him and I have, uh, kept somewhat of a friendship with the latter man. Um, he's an awesome guy. Uh, we we message back and forth quite a bit and or every now and then I guess and and uh you know I kind of value those type of relationships you know external feedback from from people it's just amazing yeah man i i um well i've had a lot of people since i started the show they ask me to connect them with other people and uh it's one of those things where i get a little nervous doing something like that just because you really don't know um, who you're dealing with. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, even the person that you're interviewing, you don't know them personally. Uh, and so when I'm connecting Correct. two people up and stuff, I get a little nervous about that. Uh, but, you know, after talking with you before the show, during the show and after the show, I felt comfortable with you. And then obviously uh, Jason was also somebody else that was on the show as well. Uh, so I, I asked Jason and he said, absolutely. You guys connected. And I know you guys became friends after that. And it just, it made me feel good knowing that you guys, you know, found each other through my show, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and too, you know, you helped me see some things that I didn't see, you know, with my situation and stuff. And, uh, you know, since I've talked to you, things have gotten way better for me. I've awesome. managed to, uh, set some boundaries in my life and close some doors and, and, uh, move some things around. And I just want to say, I appreciate it. Right on, man. Right on. I'm absolutely uh, glad I was able to help. And, uh, you know, keep in touch, brother. Keep in touch. And thanks for calling. We'll definitely do it. You guys hang in there. Right on, man. Take care. Later. All right. Well, that was uh, nice to hear from Jack. Uh, I should have asked him what episode he was. I can't remember exactly what episode he was. Um, 
but it was it was one of the it's paranormal kind of stuff. relevant. He he's a Green Bay Packer Packer fan, so who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm just. I, I like how Jack. I like how you trash him when he's off air, Wes. I like how you trash him when he's off air. <laughs> but you know what, Wes? He's still on the line. Jack, you want to say something to him? Go ahead. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Jack. Go ahead. You want to say something to Wes for for going at you with the Packers fan? Yeah, dude, I heard that. I got you. I got your number. What are you, a Raiders fan or something? No, no, no. Kansas City Raiders. Come on, man. Oh. Come on, man. You know, all the good coaches, all the good coaches matriculate from the Green Bay Packers staff, including Andy Reid. That's true. I can't not. You know what? I'd be first to call you out on that, but I can't deny that. Some of the best coaches, I mean, Andy Reid. Came from uh, the Packers, and uh, yep. all the good coaches do come from the Packers. I will give you that. I will give you that. Don't take that we are, a mile, but I'll give you that. <laughs> we are the all NFL right. football farm. <laughs> there you go. All right, Jack. Thanks again, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. So, all right. So we have uh, another guest here, uh, Adele. Adele, thanks for holding. I really appreciate it. You've been on hold for a while. How are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm a little nervous. I've never done this oh. before. So. <laughs> no need to be nervous, Adele. Come on now. It's just us hanging out. It's it's not. I, I tried making everybody feel relaxed by the title of the show. You know, after show party. You know, we're just hanging out, chilling. So, Adele, where'd you hear about the show? Um, from Dave. From Dave, Dave Gross. Gross. Oh, yeah. Dave. Dave, chime in here. Who's Adele? Yeah, Adele is a friend of mine from Facebook who, like you, we met about the time that I was going through the tragedy in my life with Rayanne, and she was a very uplifting spiritual guide for me, uh, and we've we've remained in touch. We've never met in person, her or her husband Tim, uh, but yeah, it's it's we all, we're chatting away like every night, and she just uplifts me. I uh, I love chatting with her. It's good to hear your voice. Yes, I was telling Tim, I said, I didn't realize Dave had an accent. <laughs> yeah, a Pittsburgh accent, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. How are you? Adele. Pardon? So, Adele, what, what is, um, what's your favorite show for the Confessions? I'm assuming you listen to the show. Um, yes, I have. Um, I would have to say with Dave. When, right on. When, um, you know, uh, he's, he's well, my you had, an, you had an interesting encounter too, didn't you, Adele? If I could bring that up, yeah. I don't know if you're comfortable. Yeah, um, I had an encounter when we lived in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, it was like a spring, early summer day. And I was sitting out in the backyard um, in a lawn chair talking on the phone to a friend. Or I should say I was listening while she talked because she likes to talk. And so I was just sitting there real quiet. And I we had a slab of concrete out there where we would put out popcorn and, you know, leftover food or whatever, you know, carrots and all kinds of things because we had... 
all kinds of critters that came up. We had a pond and then a creek that ran through the backyard there. And we had wild turkeys and muskrats and turtles and squirrels and skunks and possums and groundhogs. And all of a sudden, this flash of white comes running down and um, to the slab of concrete. And he... And I thought, what in the world is that? And I said to my friend, I said, Gail, there's something really weird just popped up. And all of a sudden, I looked in the... I thought at first it was like an Afghan dog because it was blonde. and it, But it had a dark face and dark hands and dark feet. I don't know whether they were black or or just dark brown. I, I don't remember. Um, but... It um, was down on all fours, and it was eating the stuff that I had thrown out there. There was, like I said, popcorn and stale bread and all kinds of fruits and vegetables and stuff. And it was just making these grunting sounds, kind of like a pig or something that was eating. And I thought, what kind of critter is that? You know, <laughs> it kind of, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden. She said something to me, and I answered her, and he turned around and looked at me, and it was like it was like a Disney character or something. I thought my mind was not wrapping around what I was seeing, and it was like, what is this thing? And he started to get up, and I'm only, well... I was at the time, I was five foot. Now I'm 4'11". I'm shrinking in my old age. But (laughs) um, he stood up, and he was probably three or four feet tall. And when he stood up, then I kind of just went, you know, like, and I started to shake. And... um, then he started going up this hill. We had a, not, it's not a big hill. It was just a little mound of dirt or whatever hill. And when he got up to the top, because I wasn't sure what I was looking at, and I thought, you know, it was like I was on a drug or something. You know, I just, it's like my mind was not comprehending what I was seeing. And when I stood up, he dropped down on all fours and bolted out of sight like a roadrunner. I mean, I've never seen anything move so fast. And there's a little grove of trees that was off to the left-hand side of our property, and that's where he went, where the wild turkeys always were. And um, after after he left, I went quickly ran into the house because I I didn't have a cell phone back then, so I wanted to get my camera in case this thing came back. And then I thought to myself, when I came, came back outside, I took pictures of, you know, where everything was, where the, where the bird bath was and where, you know, he was and picture of the lawn chair where I was sitting and and then I started shaking really bad, and I got scared because I thought it didn't occur to me that it was a Sasquatch until I moved out to where I'm at now in Zealand, Michigan. And um, 
so um, I went back into the house after I took the pictures, and we had a screened-in porch area, and I we normally leave everything unlocked. Well, I had to leave the screen door unlocked because my husband wasn't home. But I went in the house and I locked everything. I was just literally shaking. I, I shook for over an hour. And by the time he got home, um, I was still shaking. And I had um, gardens out in the backyard, rock gardens where I planted flowers. And, and then I had a vegetable garden, too. And I was wondering why all my vegetables were being taken. <laughs> And I figured it was maybe a raccoon or a possum or something, but now I'm wondering. And um, he often wondered why I wouldn't go outside, you know, and I would shake and get upset. And and if he didn't go outside, I wouldn't go outside. And he thought that was unusual because I always would, like, from the morning until night, I was outside working in the yard. And, um, in fact, it would get dark sometimes, and he'd come out and say, are you going to come in? You know, because we had skunks that were out there, and there's one night I was running through the yard to get into the house, and I was, I caught up the night I danced with the skunks, um, because they were brushing by my legs as I was trying to get into the house. But, anyway, um, then when we moved out here to Zealand, um, we had footprints around our house um, of a Sasquatch, but the, by the time I noticed the, the footprints, um, the sun had melted them, so they're kind of distorted a little bit. But we have a grape arbor in the backyard, so we figured that that's probably what they were coming for. I mean, I don't have any spectacular story like everybody else, but... That's that's the encounter that I had. Oh. Well, Adele, I would I want to tell you this. <clears throat> uh, I just got a text message from my brother who just said to me, "This is a really good story." So you may not think your story you is go. very spectacular, but my brother, who's listening at home, uh, just said that he thought your story was fantastic. And I was just going to say to you, Adele, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to connect with you. Uh, another time and actually record a, record a formal interview with you uh, to talk about what you saw. Would you be willing to do that? Sure. Yeah. Awesome. And I wanted to make I'm a comment. I'm proud of you, Adele. <laughs> I, I was scared. I was literally started to shake when David told me to, to call in and I, my hands got all sweaty and I'm starting to shake. Oh. And, and I, it just kind of like I'm reliving that whole situation all over again. And, you know, I I never did see it again because shortly thereafter, we didn't realize that the man that had lived in the trailer that we had lived in um, did not vent the dryer outside. He vented it under the house, even though there was a, uh, you know, the flap outside of the house. He still vented it under the house, and so black mold grew, was growing up into our home and we had to move from that area but um i can give you the address where it is if you want to google earth where where it take took place but 
Okay. Um, our house is not there anymore, but I did want to make a comment about the Ouija board. I'm not going to say who the person is, but someone very close to me was messing around with a Ouija board, and she became a witch. Mm. And she had familiars with a cat, and um, she would talk to the cat, and the cat would talk to her and tell her where her husband was and what he was buying from the store. And then she would sit there and tell me what the cat said. And when her husband came home, he, sure enough, because uh, they lived up in the mountains, and um, um, he had exactly everything in the bag that the cat said that he had. And she has... I don't know whether she still has it or not, but she did have a satanic Bible from Anton LaVey, and she was into it very heavily. And for many years, I hadn't talked to her or had anything to do with her because I'm the total opposite. I'd rather well, spend my time with a Bible by Jesus Christ. Than yeah. one from from Satan. So. Well, Adele, I really appreciate you uh, checking in with us. Dave, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think is that the first time you ever told that story to anybody, like live, Adele. Um, uh, the story about meeting the Sasquatch. You mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah. think you were struggling with that, so I'm very proud of you for for calling in, getting it off your chest. You'll feel a release now. <clears throat> It yeah. brings it up again, but if you get a release, <laughs> it's like about yeah. time. Uh, Adele, I would I would uh, encourage you to friend request me on Facebook so we can connect, and I would love to schedule a time to do an interview with you uh, for the show so that everybody can hear it. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm already on the um, Pennsylvania or no Pennsylvania Sasquatch Pennsylvania. Research. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'll look you up you then. Okay. You okayed me. <laughs> Great. Then I, then, I will, then I will go back and I'll find you and we will connect and we'll schedule something out, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you for calling, Adele. Okay. Keep listening. I will. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Talk to you later, Adele. Okay, bye. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you yeah. called in, Tony. That was great. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. You need to and, get uh, off the you... She's just been talking to me about it and uh, – <clears throat> I'm very glad she did. So, yeah, live on your show, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we—I I wasn't sure if we'd have any new encounter stories tonight, but we definitely had one, which is great. Uh, so, yeah. you know, since she hit on a, some certain topics here, I thought it'd be, you know, proper to bring in the next audio clip here, uh, which is Abe, and uh, Abe was episode. Oh, I can't remember. It was one of my first episodes, probably like within the first ten, and. Um, he actually had an encounter with a witch doctor when he was like two years old, which shaped the rest of his life and his spiritual uh, journey. And so uh, I thought his show was absolutely fascinating. He had tons of different things he's experienced throughout his life, but it all started when he was two years old and he had this encounter with a witch doctor. And I thought we'd play it tonight because it's one of my favorite episodes. When I was uh, uh, two years old, two years old, 
my oldest brother, which was four years old at the time, uh, they said he was going to die. Uh, all the doctors said he had only a couple of months to live. And they was trying to seek help for him, but they couldn't get the help from the doctors in the U.S. So they contacted this medicine woman from Mexico, and uh, she said she could help him out spiritually to help him live longer or not to die, but that they had to work a deal. And the deal was that once she helped him out, that I had to go stay with her for six months. So that's exactly what happened. Uh, I was there that day that she helped out my brother. Uh, the problem with my brother is he was hallucinating a lot and as if he was not all up there mentally, uh, he would see snakes, spiders. And uh, I remember what she did when she cured him. Uh, she lived in a, uh, in a hut and the the floor was made out of dirt. She had a fire in there, and uh, she grabbed a grabbed an egg, and uh, she started doing the sign of the cross on on, on him. And uh, oh, he, my brother had a limp on his leg, and his arm was messed up. So she started doing uh, and 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 praying for him spiritually. And she when she cracked the egg, a little bird came out with a broken wing and a broken leg. But my brother became better. And also the hallucinations that uh, was happening to him stopped. So my brother was better, and I stayed there. I stayed there for, for six months with this medicine woman. Uh, some people tell me, well, how do you remember this? I have a good memory. Uh, I remember being with her as she was doing the works that she would do. She was a natural healer with her hands. Um, as the, the fire was lit, as the people would come uh, for help at nighttime, I could actually see uh, the spirits that were be uh, that were afflicting the people. As she was helping them out spiritually, she would look at me and she would ask me in Spanish if I could see anything. And I would see the I call them monthly spirits uh, or demonic spirits or the shadow things. Uh, I would see them when they would leave the person's body, and you could see them uh, in the glare of the shadow of the of the fire where the fire is lit. You could see the the unclean spirits that reflect the people leave the room, you know, where she's helping them out spiritually. And then, you know, there's times that I was that I would see her where she would stick her hands in the person's stomach and she would pull out a barbed wire or uh, in the person's head and she'd pull out a scorpion out of the head. Yeah, but the people became better. You know, she was a, a natural, uh, a spiritual medicine woman. Uh, I remember going to the market with her in Mexico and I was, you know, I was only two years old and I was going around her and I would see all the people run away from her. You know, she was old, an old woman. Supposedly she fought in the war of Pancho Villa. She was that old of a medicine woman. And I could see all the people just moving away from her, like running away from her. Like they didn't want to make contact with her. And she wore a, uh, a patch over her, uh, her right eye. And as she wore the patch over the right eye, she walked with a limp because she had a bullet in her hip and she wore uh, a white long dress and she had the bullets uh, from back in the day around her. Uh, but the people ran away from her and uh, she looked at me and she said, uh, I remember this. She said, how come everybody's afraid of you, uh, afraid of me, but you're not. And I said, I love you, you know? Uh, and then she looked at me, she picked up her patch off her eye and I could see the hole. And she said, are you afraid of me now? And I said, no, I love you. <laughs> That's what I told her. Uh, and it's like, I believe at that point in time, you know, uh, 
I got used to being around her that, you know, she would make me corn tortillas with the refried beans and, and I would see all this, this wondrous, miraculous work she would do as a medicine woman. Uh, all the people that would come seeking for help, you know, some were being spiritually attacked and she would say the names of the people that would cause the harm or she would predict a prediction of something that is going to happen or be careful. And she will give the people a certain time, a certain day. She was that accurate of a person. And then I remember the day uh, when my mother came, I was, uh, they had no restroom. They had the outdoor restrooms and I was in the restroom, you know, and I had already forgotten about my mother because I've been there for so long. And I remember seeing her and, and I heard my name and I turned and it was certain she started crying. And it's like, I couldn't recognize her at first. And then she came to me, it's me, it's me, your, your mom, you know, and I'm looking at her. And uh, I go to the medicine woman and hug her because I had been with her. She'd been taking care of me. But then that's the day that she came and picked me up and, and brought me back to the States. So that is Abe. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with him because he had so many uh, life experiences with the paranormal. Uh, he, he shared so many stories. And uh, I really wish I could remember what episode he was, but I just <laughs> I can't, I can't remember. Uh, I think the show was called uh, a, a Witch Doctor's Request. That's what it was called, A Witch Doctor's Request. So if you want to hear that whole interview, go ahead and check out that show. I believe it's about an hour and a half interview of pure awesomeness. And uh, one of the things I asked him uh, during that interview, shortly after that clip ended, was he said that she had a bullet in her leg from the war. And I asked him curiously, I said, you know, she's helping all these other people. Why doesn't she take the bullet out of her leg? And he kind of chuckled. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. Uh, but it was in there. So I, I just found that interesting. Uh, so that was Abe, and next up, we want to bring on Tim Renner. Now, Tim Renner, he was on the show earlier, and he's talking about Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, the book he had come out with, and he has just recently come out of the book. Tim, how are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, I'm starting to lose my voice, actually, tonight now, but uh, this is a great time. I'm enjoying doing a live show. Uh, so this book that you just came out with, what's the title of it? It's Bigfoot West Coast Wild Men. It's, it's kind of a continuation of the Bigfoot Pennsylvania thing. It's just I moved from Pennsylvania to the West Coast and, and uh, found articles from out there. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I mean, I didn't literally uh, move. I, I moved my research. <laughs> I'm still in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, I hope so because I want to I want to hang out with you sometime. <laughs> <laughs> we we can't lose the good ones here in P Pennsylvania. We need you to stay, stick around. The West Coast has enough people. So. <laughs> So uh, you came out with this book not too long ago. How long ago was it? Not what, a couple of weeks, I'd say, right? Uh, maybe last week it was published. So yeah, okay. real, 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 very new. And I know that you were just recently on Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, Wes put out that show just recently. So, uh, you know, don't mind him. He's just hanging in the background. You're talking to me now. <laughs> <laughs> so, What's up, uh, Tim? How are you, man? How's it going, Wes? Oh, it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good, brother. Sorry, Tony. No, I had to fine. cut in. Absolutely. We're gonna claim Tim, we're gonna claim Tim as a West Coast uh, Bigfoot guy. <laughs> you you guys don't get him. We definitely get him out here. So I I, uh, oh, I toured out there with, with my band, and I almost stayed. Uh, we had just my wife and I had just bought a house in uh, in York County, and uh, my band was touring out there, and it, it was before the dot com uh, crash. And there was so much money coming in out there. Uh, 
ridiculous amount of money that, uh, and some guy offered us a place to stay in uh, Portland. He said, like, you know, just, just stay here and make music. And uh, we almost stayed, but we had just bought a house. And I remember we literally were, had to make a decision. It was five o'clock in the morning. We had to leave for the airport. We were looking at each other. She's like, wow. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I said, well, we got to make a call because, like, we got to catch a plane and we got to leave now if we're catching the plane. And uh, she's like, oh, I guess we'll just go back. So, nah, you should have stayed. Yeah, yeah you would have been. You would have been uh, in Wes's backyard. He's not too far from Portland. You guys were hanging out all the time. So, uh, <laughs> hey Tim. So your new book that came out. Do uh, you got any stories that you uh, enjoyed writing more than others? I mean, obviously you're putting out the whole book, so you like the book in itself and in its, in its entirety. Uh, but what was one of your favorite, you know, stories that you uncovered in the process of researching and writing this book? Yeah, it was the, these books, these, these compilations, I mean, they're really more compilations. They're, my writing is in it because I do commentary on the articles and I do an introduction, of course. But most of, you know, the accounts are taken directly from these old newspaper articles. So it's usually like I'll find one or two that really fire me up. The uh, the Dead Man's Hole story, which I which I read on Sasquatch Chronicles, is probably my favorite. That's the one where they found a bunch of dead bodies and they didn't know what was doing it. Later in the year, I think I think it was eighteen it was either 1880 or 1888. I don't have the paper in front of me right now, but later in the year, a guy tracks or uh, two hunters go into the to the hollow and they shoot a track a, a beast down. They shoot it, they killed it. Then they describe it in great detail in the article. I mean, like every little detail of the thing. And then they uh, go into the cave where it was headed for, and they find a bunch of human bones and stuff. And uh, they figured that, that whatever this thing was, was, was killing people there. Jeez. That's gotta be terrifying. That's gotta be terrifying. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I know when you told me that you wrote the Pennsylvania book that you were originally uh planning on writing, were you planning on writing one book for the whole country and you found out that that was impossible because there's so many stories to how it worked out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I found so many for Pennsylvania. I just started like, like, okay, I have a book for Pennsylvania. I'm going to, it'll probably be regional for the rest of the country. Like, uh, you know, I had to, West coast was California, Oregon and, and Washington state. I'll probably do East coast next and just do like Maryland, New Jersey, New York. Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to figure out who has, you know, when there's enough to make a book, you know, I'll put, I'll put one out, but they'll probably be regional, but I'm going to do all I can. And then whenever I finish one, I inevitably I'll find more for that area after I've already finished it. So I'll probably have one book at the end, assuming I'll finish all these, I'll finish the whole country. And I'll do one book at the end with all the leftovers and stuff I found since, since the uh, publishing them. That sounds awesome. I mean, having a book with just the leftovers, uh, I, I imagine there's probably plenty of leftover stories to uh, include into a book. And, uh, you know, the whole country in itself, I mean, uh, it's kind of like Pennsylvania. I mean, I think I, when I think about the United States, you know, and Canada uh, and all that, but, you know, just our country in itself, uh, it, it's really a lot of sightings all over the place. I mean, there really isn't uh, one area that doesn't really have sightings. I mean, I guess the Midwest doesn't necessarily have a ton, but there are still sightings in the Midwest. Uh, but, you know, it's the same thing with Pennsylvania. I, I just had a guy recently in Maryland. Uh, he posted a picture actually on Sasquatch Chronicles uh, fan page and he posted in some other groups. Uh, he I, I believe a hunter found a footprint in Maryland. And this thing was huge. You see the toes and everything. Uh, it dwarfs oh, I saw his that boot. picture. 
Yeah, yeah. I saw that picture. I, I connected with him and I was talking to him about it, and he said that you know it, it, he didn't find it. A hunter found it, and I think he said um, a fishing game guy uh, took him to the location of the print to show him where it was at. Because uh, I guess he he does a little bit of investigating in Maryland, and since he's found this print. Uh, he is going to be investigating that area more often because I guess there was a recent sighting in that area as well. And uh, that's why in the pictures that he posted, uh, one was with a flashlight at night and one was during the daytime because one was taken by a hunter and the other one was taken by him. But uh, those, those prints were pretty fascinating, weren't, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were, they were, they were interesting. Yeah, I, I saw I, people throwing, some people throwing shade, but you can't put anything up online without somebody throwing shade on yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all mine's like the wild, wild west, man. Like, you, you can't, it's not meant for the weary. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're going to throw stuff I, up, I have, some, I have some pictures that, that I have not put up. Um, I was hiking one day in a, uh, it's a nature preserve just south of me. It's, it's actually in northern Maryland, but it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm in southern Pennsylvania, so it's not too far. I was alone, and, and I had read a, an account on the BFRO website from this nature preserve. So I'd never been there, so I, I went one day. And I, I hike, and I hike alone. I'm, I'm probably alone in the woods three days a week hiking, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with just the natural sounds and, and so forth of, of the area around here. And I usually don't get creeped out. There's very few times that, that I'll be, you know, hiking or something. I'll get, like, a, a weird, creepy feeling. And I'm in this nature preserve and I get this, this really creeped out feeling like I, I'm by myself. I'm like, this is weird. Like, I, like for some reason, I'm just totally creeped out. So I just started taking shots with my cell phone just all around me, just taking pictures, taking pictures, taking pictures. I follow this trail up. It leads into an, an abandoned cemetery in the middle of the woods. Creepiest thing about this was there were stuffed animals placed at the borders of the cemetery just inside the tree line so weird just like these just kids stuffed animals just laying there out in the middle of the woods don't know why wow. right you know right on the border of the cemetery and i'm like wow that's weird so i take pictures of the stuffed animals i get home and i was like oh, i'm just kind of like looking through the pictures and there's this one and i always say my wife is like the biggest skeptic in the world she thinks you know we're all crazy for being into this stuff and i i i find this one this something in this picture and i took several pictures you can see it there's a the, the tree uh, has a red blaze on it in the foreground, so you can uh, for the trail, so you can see it's the same. You know, it's the same tree in the foreground. It's only in this figure's only in one of the pictures, and it's definitely like like I showed my wife, and she's like, somebody was following you. She specifically said like somebody. She's like, that's that's something. You know, like a, somebody. I said I didn't. You know, I didn't see anybody out there. I didn't know what it was, but I can't show. I can't put that picture online because people would just be like, oh, pareidolia. It's nothing. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Because it's not it's not definite. It's not but it's it's just something creepy. And the only thing I can say is like I felt creeped out. I found this thing. And uh it's the same thing with the cover of my first book. Whatever that was that was on the back of the cover that I photographed, and I didn't even claim it to be anything. I just said like this is a picture I took, it shows a weird thing. I don't know what it is. And people, like every time I put that up, on, uh, in a, even in my own groups and stuff online, people are like, ah, oh, it's nothing. you know. And then I try to defend it. Like, I never said it was anything. Oh, you're getting defensive. Like, no, I'm just telling you. <laughs> so you, you can't win putting stuff up online. Yeah, no, absolutely. I learned that as soon as I started the uh, YouTube channel for PSR, uh, when I put videos up and stuff. I mean, yeah, you have people knocking you and things like that. And I would... 
go through every comment and I would reply, you know, if it's a positive comment, I would be nice. And if it's a negative comment, I'd get snarky back. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't comment back there because I felt like I was being rude, not commenting back to everybody. So now like when people leave comments on the, on the YouTube channel, like I, I go through it every once in a while, that's just try to comment back to people, but uh, you, you just can't keep up with it. And if you try to, you're it's going to drive you mad because there's going to be a bunch of naysayers out there with what anything you put out there. I mean, you could just, you could say a, a rose is red and they're like, no, it's purple. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what it is. But um, so as far as your book goes, uh, how much feedback have you gotten within the last week? Have you gotten a lot of feedback from people that, that you know, are enjoying it and stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's number one in the uh, unexplained mysteries on, on Amazon right now. So people, people dig it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It, 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 yeah. So uh, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, it, it, I, I'm writing other books. I'm not just doing these, but uh, obviously the universe has told me, keep doing these, these wild man books. <laughs> I, I will continue. Uh, and, and like I said, hopefully I'll get the whole country done. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll tell you what, you're a great writer. You really are. You're a very good writer. And I can say that confidently because my wife read your book and my wife before the baby, now she can't, but before the baby, she was reading over a hundred books a year. She reads a lot. She knows literature. And uh, when she read your book, it was one of the few books of people who are self-published that she said to me, I like his writing style. He's a good author. So, I mean, anybody who's listening, definitely check out Tim's book because it's awesome. And Tim has a lot of good insight, too. I mean, Tim, I remember you and I were talking one of the first times we talked and you brought up the whole idea of uh, rock throwing, maybe not necessarily being human or Bigfoot because of the idea of poltergeist. Now I know people are probably getting pissed off because I'm suggesting that rock throwing might not be Bigfoot. I'm not saying it's always not Bigfoot, but I'm saying it's, there's always, there could be a possibility of poltergeist activity in the woods as well. And uh, I found that very interesting because I never thought about that. If you look at, at poltergeist accounts and a lot of times inside people's houses, they'll have rocks thrown at them. They'll have screams in their houses. They'll have horrible smells in their houses. Well, when people are out in the woods and they don't see a creature, but they get rocks thrown at them and they smart, smell a horrible smell, and, uh, you know, the, even in the houses, people say they pick up the rocks and they're warm, and, and that will come up in Bigfoot accounts, too. They'll say they had a rock thrown at them, they touched it, and it was still warm, and they picked it up. I, I'm not saying that it's not Bigfoot or it is a poltergeist doing these things. I'm just saying there's when there's that much in common, we have to start, like, at least saying like, okay, there's a lot in common between these two things. They're both weird things. Let's look at them, you know, both in, in that, in that kind of uh, light, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more because, uh, you know, cause I'm the kind of person when you bring something to my attention and it makes sense, I'll go with it. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's think about it. And when you said that to me, like, I, I remember I was sitting there in my car or in my truck and uh, my jaw dropped. I was like, I'd never thought about that. And uh, it was a great point, man. It was a great point. And uh, anybody who's looking to uh, get a great book, actually, I would recommend getting two great books, his newest one and the one from before Pennsylvania or Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. Uh, Tim, before we get going here, where can people find your book on Amazon? I'm assuming. Amazon's great. Amazon's very fair with their, with their split for independent authors. I have no problem if people get them from Amazon. People are very kind. A lot of times we'll say, Oh, you know, I'll get them from you. That's fine. I'm happy. You know, if you only want to come direct, but, you know, the, the split on Amazon is very fair, and, and I have no problem with if people want to get them from Amazon. Awesome. And uh, one more time, what's the name of the book again? 
Bigfoot West Coast Wild Men. Awesome, man. Tim, I really appreciate you coming hey. on tonight and spending some time with us. Hey, you got a second? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So that last clip you played, the guy with the witch doctor. Yes. The uh, First of all, that was awesome. I, I, I must not have caught that one. That was really cool. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing I'm very into is traditional folk stories, traditional folk music, folklore, et cetera, like that. I, I, I collect a lot of that stuff. The idea of being taken to a, uh, a wizard or, or, or a, a magic user or witch doctor or something, that's a very, very traditional idea where the, the, uh, like there's in Scotland, they have these Gruagach tales, they call them. And the Gruagachs are these, uh, wizards that were often associated with like the fae folk and stuff. And that's a very, very traditional idea. The idea that, okay, give me your son. And usually in those tales, it's for one year and one day, but it's, it's a specific amount of time. So when he said that she wanted his payment to take him for six months, that is amazing. And it, it's a totally traditional idea. That's uh that comes wow. from, yeah, it's, it's seen in folklore all over the place, but uh, that, that, as soon as that did like my, my folklore uh, radar, my, my folklore Spidey sense <laughs> went off as soon as he said that. I was like, man, that is awesome. That's incredible. That's incredible. I, I love hearing the validation at times when you, when you share somebody's story. And of course, I mean, when, when somebody says that uh, they were given to a uh, medicine woman or a witch doctor, whatever she was uh, for, I think you said six months or something like that. I mean, at two yeah. years old, I mean, people, I'm sure there's people who are like, yeah, right. Nobody would, but it's great to hear when somebody else can come in and say, actually there is validation to that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, that's, that's great. Totally, so, and I half wonder if, like, because he said basically his mom took him back and went to America. My question for him would be, you know, was it intended really for going to be for a year? Were you intended to be with her for a year and your mom took you back, you know, before that year was up or, or, or what the case was? Because, like I said, in the, in the Scottish tales, it's usually one year and one day. It's a very specific amount of time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if other cultures, you know, with six months or whatever but still very very interesting sound all wow, over the world awesome. that's awesome yeah yeah i've definitely uh encouraged people to check out that show uh a witch doctor's request is what it's called and I, you know what i want to say it was episode 13 episode 13 witch doctor's request i believe uh well, i'm gonna so, go back yeah, and check it out yeah check it out it was a great he was a great guy to talk to i i found him uh i forget how i found him but him and i talked before i even started the show and uh I had wanted to talk to him for a long time on the show and I got a chance to do it. It was just, it was great. So yeah, I definitely check in, definitely recommend check, people checking that out. Awesome. Well, congratulations, man. Real happy for it. We, we started about the same time and it's been awesome to see, uh, you know, I started strange familiar. To, I think a little bit after you started confessional, cause I'm not quite at a year yet. I think next right. month will be a year for strange familiar. But uh, I remember we were both talking when we were starting like, Hey, I'm going to start, Oh, I'm going to start a podcast. So it's just been awesome to, to, uh, to watch it grow and, and uh, see what you're doing. So congratulations. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And everybody check out his podcast, Strange Familiars. It's awesome. Uh, Tim, thanks for being here. I uh, really appreciate it, man. Anytime. All right. So that was Tim Renner. And uh, again, I'd like to just say thanks to Tim for coming on. I always enjoy talking to him. Uh, this is for me, this is just fun. I mean, I just, I'm sitting here, I'm taking calls and talking to friends and people get to enjoy the conversation. Hopefully people are enjoying the conversation. Uh, but this is a, just a great time. I'm having a good time just celebrating the one year show of uh, the confessionals. And like I said, on the intro to this week's show, I honestly didn't even know if the show was going to last eight weeks. 
I mean, really, I mean, it, like I had a, fr- I have a friend, uh, his name's Phil and, uh, Phil has a podcast. I just had him on my show for episode 50. Uh, he shared some haunting stories out of Massachusetts. Well, he's been podcasting for a long time. And, uh, he told me when I first started, he said, if you can get through your first eight weeks, you're golden. He said the, the first eight weeks are the hardest week to get through. And so when I started the show and I started seeing how things were going, I really wasn't sure if I'd make it through eight weeks. And I finally made it through the eight weeks. And I hit about the six month mark and I'm looking, it's about the summertime, June, July, August. And I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, well, you know, maybe this is as good as it's going to get, you know, the, it, the show seeing the plateau and I'm fine with that. You know, I'm fine with whatever happens. And, uh, I just thought, okay, well maybe we're, we'll reach our, our peak. And, um, well, that wasn't the case because in the fall we, we exploded and, uh, we've been really carrying momentum and, uh, you know, speaking of Phil, the guy who was on the show, let's play a clip of his. He uh, shares some haunting stories out of Massachusetts. Uh, some of them are third party, but this one here is actually uh, something that happened to him while him and his friends were, well, I don't think he was getting high. He said his friends were getting high, but uh, it, it's a very interesting story. So let's take a listen. Yeah, I think, I believe it was spice was one of the things that one of the guys ripped off someone else's face, or he could have been on bath salts, one or the other, either way. So it was like, basically what this stuff is, is potpourri, essentially, okay? So I, please do not go out there and, and smoke this stuff. Anyway, so it's basically like, it's pitched as medical, um, synthetic marijuana. And it's not, it's potpourri. So basically, um, they were they were like into it because it was cheaper than weed and everything. So I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. I was like, I'm not doing that, but you know, you guys can you know, do whatever you want. If you want to smoke potpourri, like go for it. I don't (laughs) care. Like, I don't think it's a good idea, but you know, go ahead. So anyway, um, I'm hanging out with them, you know, just hanging out. Um, you know, everything seems pretty cool. They, they start smoking this stuff and I'm like, okay. So I'm just hanging out with them. Everything appears to be pretty normal for the most part. Um, then, um, actually I should give these people fake names. Okay. So I'm going to call the first guy Jack. So Jack is, um, he starts pulling on, uh, I'm going to make up another name. We'll name him Tony. How's that sound? Perfect. It's a good name. Good, strong name. And actually my my brother's name is Jack. So there you go. Oh, I totally forgot that. (laughs) All right. So Jack starts pulling at Tony's arm, like really weird. Like, um, best way I could describe it. Like he, he looked gone. Like, he looked like he was just, like, either blitzed out of his mind or, like, something was up with him. So he was, he was acting weird. And so he was just, like, like pulling at his arm, like, pulling at his arm, pulling at his arm. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. I'm going to go get a drink. And so, like, I leave the room. And I'm like, I was like, that was weird. I was like, I don't know what's going on between those two guys. But, like, I don't know. Literally, dude, I'm gone, I don't know, five minutes. I get a drink. I, I'm drink it in the kitchen. I hear like what sounds like things being thrown across the room. I hear like someone yelling out in pain sort of kind of thing. And so I'm hearing all this like commotion. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I was like, Oh shit. They're like, these two guys are they're going to, they're getting Jack and Tony are going to get in a fight here. You know what I mean? So like, okay. So I come back into the room and <laughs> I, 
Wow. Okay. So I walk into the room. In front of me is Jack. And no, he's actually okay. So Jack was like to the left. So I walk into my room. Straight ahead of me is this guy, Tony. And he is face down on the bed, like um, knees on the ground, face down on the bed, not moving, not responsive. I called out his name several times. Nothing. Didn't move. Didn't acknowledge me. Nothing. And so he's just sitting there. So, I mean, that's kind of scary in itself. But then I look over to my left on the far side of the room, and there's Jack. And he's got blood on his face. And I'm like, what the F? I was like, uh, this, at this point, I'm like, what is going on? Like, literally, this is what I'm saying. I said it like seven times. Like, what the F is going on? Was like, And I'm calling out to him, like, Jack, what... What is like, and he's looking at me like sadistic, like, and, um, he looks at me and he just says one word and he says, oops. And I was, I was just like, and at this point he's not talking in normal Jack voice. He's talking in some sort of raspy, best way I can describe it, snake-like type voice. And so he's like, and he's so disturbing. So he's rubbing the blood that's on his forehead, like all over his face and just being like, oops, oops, oops. Dude, Tony, man, this is crazy. So I'm, I'm standing there and I'm like, Jack, it's like, and he gets up and starts walking towards me. I was like, I was like, Jack, please stop. I was like, I was like, what is going on? I was like, at this point in my head, I'm thinking, Oh shit. They, they were doing this stupid, like, uh, spice stuff, they let their minds get like, this is what I think what happened, they let their minds get so weak that something that was obviously attached to him was able to take over, basically, wow. what happened. And so he, dude, he starts walking towards me, remember, blood on his face, like stammering towards me, as if like, it's the first time he's ever walked before. So like stammering towards me, and I just keep on backing up. So at this point, I'm, I've I'm not in the entrance of, of the room anymore. I'm, like, backed up into the living room. I've backed up around the corner into the kitchen, and I'm, like, standing there. And I keep on backing. I'm like, stop, stop, please stop. And all of a sudden, faster than anything I've ever seen in my life, he just literally jumps at me, like, bolts at me. And, like, he's, like, he's like trying to, like, push me onto the ground. And so, like, literally midair, as we're, like, suspended in the air, somehow, by the grace of God... Uh, that's what I, it has to be God because it wasn't me because I'm not strong enough. So he comes at me and I, but well, like in air and I somehow turn his body. He was on top, you know, he was coming at me. So he's like on top of me basically as we're going through the air. So I, I base somehow basically flip him around. And so he landed on the ground first and not me. So like he landed on the ground. I landed like on my knees and then like, he's just boom on the ground. And so, at that moment, um, like, he, like, stopped moving. He didn't get up. Like, he was breathing, and, and, but he was, like, hissing. He was, like, fucking hissing at me. Sorry to swear, but <laughs> he was hissing at me. So, it, but he was kind of, like, incapacitated at that point. Okay, so I'm, like, okay. So I got up, and I'm, like, I got to check on Tony. Like, I got to see if he's okay. So, like, I, I get up. I leave him. He's not moving. I'm, like, good. Hopefully he stays that way. So then I go around the corner, go back into the room. 
I'm like, Tony, Tony, Tony. And he doesn't respond to me. But as soon as I touched him, like touched his shoulder, he woke up immediately. And he was like dazed and confused. He was like, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He was like, he's like, what, what, what happened? What happened? And, and like, so I'm like, I'm at this point, I'm freaked out. And so I'm like, dude, we need to call my, uh, we need to call uh, my uncle. We need to get him over here. This kid's possessed. And like, I told him like four times in a row. And he, he was just like, the last thing I remember, I was just sitting there. That's the last thing I remember. I don't remember anything else. And so um, I go back out into the kitchen where uh, Jack's laying still. And he's still making, like, hissing noises. And now Tony can hear him as well. And so he's, like, looking at me like, like, what is going on? Like, WTF, you know what I mean? And so he, you know, um, and so then I end up calling my dad. Because at this point, my dad lived with me, and he, I was like, Dad, you need to get home now. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? I was like, no. I was like, I told him the whole situation. He's like, he's like, are you serious? I was like, Dad, this is like exorcist-level stuff here. Like, you need to get here now because I don't know, like, if this is safe or not. You know what I mean? So I, I, my dad comes home, and at this point, he's like, he's starting to, like, come back to normal, sort of. But he's still sort of, like, in it. So, like, he's, like, in the bathroom because we're, like, you know, like, you know, clean, clean yourself up, like, get, you know, and he drank, he must have drank, like, seven gallons of water. I've never seen somebody drink so much water in my life. But as he's, like, cleaning himself off, he, he's, like, he starts, like, talking to himself in the mirror. He's, like, he's, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I'm the one that's in control now. You're weak. Da, 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 da. Like, all this, like, weird stuff, stuff I did not want to hear. And I'm, like, oh, my God. I was like, what is going on? So my uncle eventually like comes and, and we pray over him and stuff. And, um, but he, yeah, he still had lingering effects. I remember that night I was on edge because at like, we were like, we were roommates. So, um, we had the, we slept in the same room at that time. And so he, you know, he was making hissing noises at, you know, throughout the night and stuff like that. And All right, so that was Phil Anderson, uh, an old college friend of mine. He was on the show a few weeks ago sharing that story, and uh, I had a lot of fun talking with Phil, just catching up to him, old times' sake and things like that, but I had no idea he had those kind of stories to share. Uh, I was on Phil's show. Uh, He had two different shows. The first one I was on when I first started podcasting, uh, it was called The Phil and Alex Show, and uh, you can check that out. Actually, I posted that on the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. And uh, you can check that out underneath his episode, which is episode 50. I also posted a podcast that I did with them underneath their new podcast called The Sneeling and no, actually, I should say The Sneeling and Dealing Podcast, S N E A L I N, The Sneeling and Dealing Podcast. Both podcasts are comedy podcasts. And uh, they brought me on to make things a little bit more up tense and tight because we talked a little bit more about serious stuff like Bigfoot, Nephilim, floods, and all that fun stuff. So uh, it was a great time on their show, though. Uh, They treated me with a lot of respect. Check out those shows, uh, some good listening content for your listening pleasure. And uh, next up here, I want to bring on uh, a good friend of the show. And uh, he goes back with Wes and Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, We have Duke. Duke, how you doing, man? Doing good. Big Sky, howdy to you, everybody in the studio online here and listening in. Right on, man. 
So uh, you're out there in Montana and stuff. How's the weather right now? Um, <laughs> well, this will probably get me lots of hate mail. It's about 48 degrees and melty here. What? That's the exact opposite of what I was thinking you were going to say. No, we've actually had about a week of really beautiful weather here. It's been between the low 30s and mid-40s for about the last week. Wow. You know, this past week here in PA uh, was super cold. I mean, I think it was probably like 10 degrees out. I mean, it was biting outside. Uh, And, you know, it's one of those days where even though you're in a tractor trailer, it still doesn't really heat up all that great. So... Uh, I'm a little envious of you. <laughs> well, I'm getting lots of hate mail from friends in Missouri and Indiana and stuff, and you know, I'll talk to them every couple of days. And hey, man, what's going on over there? I'm working in my garage. It's 15 degrees, freezing my butt off. What's going on out there? Uh, <laughs> it's 40, and I'm standing outside having a cig. I hate you. You suck. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about the weather, but I didn't order it. You know, it's not like officially my my problem that I caused it or something. Right. <laughs> but you know, you so, usually expect if you're at a half mile altitude and I'm uh, <clears throat> pretty close to the Canadian border uh, that you're going to have pretty cold weather in January. So you know, every every day of above 10 degrees we get, I'm I'm taking it and loving it. Global warming. It's global warming. (laughs) (laughs) No, we just, we have really mild winters here in the Bitterroot Valley. Generally, the north and south of us, they're getting anywhere between 10 and 20 degrees colder every day than what we get here. It's just the way the the air flows in from the Pacific through the mountain ranges, and we happen to be in one of the lucky valleys that tends to get more of the Pacific flow and less of the arctic vortex from uh, from up north that comes down the central part of the country so we don't get all of that big slew of sub subarctic cold air here around the other side of the mountain ranges from it Jeez, i, I didn't know that i had no clue so uh duke i wanted to ask you this question here uh because you know i I'm new to the online Bigfoot community and stuff. And I I remember seeing you around before I knew you were Duke. Uh, How'd you get started in the whole Bigfoot thing? When, when did, when did Duke get into this topic? Uh, (laughs) Well, let's see. I mean, honestly, 1974, Um, being actually involved in the community. I, I didn't start doing anything with that until just a few years ago. Because uh, for the most part, until it really got going um, cyber-wise, it was so hard to get information and communicate with people. It was really difficult to do much in the way of network or anything. And now, especially nowadays, that there's all these different uh, Bigfoot groups on Facebook and on the Internet and all over the place, uh, podcasts, shows. There's a lot more information out there, and there's a lot more people to network with, so it's worth doing at this point. And uh, I'm one of those people that's like, was never interested in you know trying to put out books or any, you know anything like that. I'm just more interested in documenting what I can figure out about it, and then share information with people as I figure it out. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. I had my first encounter in '72, and I was 10 years old. I had my second one. Uh, I would have to be 76, 77. I'm guessing I was like 15, 16 years old. And then just had another class a a couple of years ago, and there was one sitting too close to my campsite, and I caught him. <laughs> he wasn't expecting me to catch him where he was at, and he was trying to pretend to be a uh, tree stump, and it didn't work very well. I knew what he was, so. <laughs> so how big was it? 
Uh, he wasn't very big. He was a sentinel. He was a youngster. He was sitting with his knees up in front of him on his butt, pretending to be a tree stump, and he was still about four feet high. So he was good size. You know, he's bigger than a human was. He wasn't a full-grown adult or anything. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, Duke, uh, one of the things that I remember hearing, I think the first time I ever heard you uh, on audio was with Wes, and I believe you guys were talking about mountain giants. Uh, And I remember listening to that and being fascinated. And I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. And (laughs) here you are. And so the mountain giants idea, uh, you've, have you actually taken reports from people that have seen these things or were they stories that were told to you from other people? Uh, let me see. Direct reports, I have not gotten one yet that I can absolutely positively attribute to a mountain giant. Um, I got an indirect report from one of my local research guys that ran into a logger um, just at random. They were standing out in front of Walmart. Both of them, Each one of them was waiting for their ride to come pick them up. And while they were having a cig, he started talking to him, and he had a Bigfoot shirt on. And uh, the logger said, oh, you believe in that? And he said, well, yeah, I got chased by two of them. And he's like, oh, really? You know, I've seen a bunch of those during the time that I was up in the Bitterroot. You know, I just got retired here a few years ago. I spent my whole career up there. And da 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 da. And he said, you know, there's worse things than Bigfoot up there. Said, oh, really? Well, like what? So then he told him this story, which I've actually recounted before, about how their crew had gotten a new parcel to go work on. And they had gone up there at the end of the week. They were going to get, they made a road in with the cat. And they had uh, a couple of trucks and a bunch of equipment sitting up there waiting for him to show up again on Monday and start working this new area. And over the course of the weekend, everything they had there got pretty well smushed. And, uh, I mean, like, the trucks were literally on the ground, on the frames, crushed. Pops were crushed, you know. And there was no – the only way you could have done it was with heavy equipment. And there, this was a brand-new, just been plowed a few days before road. So freshly disturbed, you know, dirt. Anything that drove up there would have left the track. Walking on it left the track. So it wasn't equipment that did it. But what else could do that, you know? So, and again, uh, Wes had one on his show where there was a guy who was up in northern Montana, and um, there was somebody that was watching this logging crew because they thought somebody was messing with them. And they had the same sort of uh, problems up there where something, I think it was uh, put a boulder on top of the cab on their uh, their uh, bulldozer or something and mushed that thing. So, uh, you know, you get these weird accounts. And then uh, there was a paranormal group here locally that didn't know what to do with this strange account they had, passed it along to Rich Soul, who passed it along to me. And this is over at the junction of where the Bitterroot Mountains are on north-south, meet the east-west Blue Mountain Range. And uh, people that live over there, a bunch of them reported this guy was inside of his house watching TV, and he started hearing these heavy thuds. And like, what the hell is it? It was shaking the ground. You could hear it inside of his house. So he went out on the porch and looked up the side of the mountain. He couldn't see anything. It was dark, but he could hear it even more clearly. It sounded like gigantic footfalls going, you know, at an angle across the side of the mountain at night, middle of the night. And, like, the local dogs went nuts and everything. <laughs> they were hearing it, too. But, you know, what's so heavy that it could be? Bigfoot doesn't even fall into that category. He said, this is a ways off. And, you know, you could hear, like, timber breaking and the whole thing. So, obviously, he decided he didn't want to go up and investigate. Definitely not then. I don't think he did afterwards. But he told the local paranormal group that, that he had found out about, about this. And they had no idea what to make of it. So the story got passed along to me. And being a junction point of these uh, known-to-be travel routes for Bigfoot and um, mountain giants, 
possibly being sort of like uh, regional critters and uh, more or less uh, keeping an eye on what's going on with the, the smaller Bigfoot cousins, it's, this would be a prime spot for one to be sitting and uh, sort yeah. of controlling traffic. So. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think it's a key thing to say is what you just said. You know, people that are describing these things, these are not – these are separate from Bigfoot. These, these are not Bigfoot that these people are seeing. It's almost like these are overgrown human beings. Is that right? Some of them fall into that category. Other ones look more Bigfoot-like. And this is something that, okay. you know, Wes will watch for. He encounters this all the time with Sasquatch Chronicles where they don't all look the same. There's so much so that we've been able to even like subcategorize them to a certain extent. But even within a given troop, the individuals in that troop will look so different that if you saw them in different places at different times, you would think they're probably different subspecies or something. So there's wide variability just in the Bigfoot population. And then we're not sure what, you know, we have very little even guesswork to go on as to what the genetic roots of mountain giants could be. It's possible that they're a crossbreed between the Nephilim and a regular Bigfoot in which case you would also expect to see this really wide variability between ones that look almost like a regular old giant, more caveman-like, and other ones that look like a straight-up Bigfoot with big old tusks on it, just gigantic. Yeah, that, I mean, it sounds terrifying. It absolutely sounds terrifying. Uh, Wes, how many shows... I, I know you've done Mountain Giants. Was it just one or two shows? I know you haven't done very many, right? I don't think it's been that many. How many? What do you think, Duke? We've done like two. I know we've done two where well, we did one where we really went in depth in it. We did one where we sort of referenced it because we were kind of jumping around and we were mentioning a bunch of stuff about Wendigos right. and Mountain Giants and everything. I, I think we just basically did one. But, you know, even like Tim with his new book, one of the accounts that he referenced in there where the, the kid gets kidnapped and taken underground, I'm firmly convinced that's a Mountain Giant report. I don't think that's a Bigfoot report. That's interesting. That's absolutely interesting. I uh, honestly, I haven't had a chance to listen to that show yet. I'm actually anxiously waiting for Monday to listen to it. Uh, does he cover it in that show? Uh, apparently, <laughs> I also fall into the category of haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. But I did look at your comments, and okay. one of them mentioned that account was in there, and I went, "Oh God, I got to get all the rest of this stuff done so I can go back and listen <laughs> to this episode." <laughs> because I think they're talking about the same one. But this is one where a young lad got abducted, taken underground. There was more than one of them there. There was apparently a native uh, woman there oh, that yeah. they ha also had in custody. Is this the same one, Wes? Yeah, she uh, – sorry, I didn't mute. Um, I think the, the what he ran into was something very similar to what the two brothers ran into with the woman in white um, oh, because okay. she ended up disappearing. Um, I tend to agree with you, Duke. I, th I think it probably was more of a mountain giant than it was a Sasquatch. Uh, but you get these strange reports, Tony, and, you, and I'm sure you'll get them too as well, where people don't want to come on the show and they want to share what they've seen. The only two mountain giant reports I've ever gotten, both were from Alaska, uh, two separate individuals not far from each other. And what they described was not a Sasquatch. Uh, it was very much a giant is what they were describing. And neither one of them wanted to come on the show. They just wanted to share what they had seen. So, um, you, you know, you guys know Sasquatch Chronicles isn't a Monday only thing, right? You guys can watch, listen to it anytime you <laughs> <as> want. <laughs> well, that, no, well, it's not just Monday, Mondays only. 
<laughs> Let me counter with Sasquatch Chronicles as a podcast, and it's on my time. So <laughs> it's on whatever you want to listen to it. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with Wes. No, so I've had several people from Alaska that have given me reports on it, and they're willing to tell me about it, but they will not come on the air and talk about it. And you know, a couple of them are like probably the scariest stories I've ever heard, and I just can't get them to come on the air and talk about. It. They won't even let me tell them. So what do you do? Wow. Well, you you always respect the people's wishes. You know what I mean? That's the best way to do it. Yeah. Well, you have to. You know, if you're mean to your guests, then you don't get any more guests. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Not and one plus one equals two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, you know, I was just listening earlier. Reason I, I called in is because I was listening to you guys uh, having West recount his encounter again. And it really just struck me, you know, how long it's been since that happened to him. And you can still, you know, his voice is just dripping with emotion. He's back in the moment. He's confused and scared. And what the hell is going on? And, you know, it's it like it makes such a case for what he's done with Sasquatch Chronicles and other people are doing with their podcasts of how important and necessary a thing it is. Because it took me right back to my encounters, too, when I was listening to Wes talking about his. And it's like, you know, I hear these every day. People come and tell me their encounters, and some of them I can share and some of them I can't. And you just sort of get, like, so inured to hearing it all the time that it doesn't have that much emotional impact anymore. And then you go back to something like this, and it brings you back to your own encounters, and you just realize how important it is to have that outlet out there so that people feel like there is somebody that they can talk to, you know, even if they don't want to go on the air, there's at least somebody they can talk to and tell their story to. And what a huge catharsis and relief that is for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know Wes uh, agrees with that. Uh, Duke, I appreciate you hanging in there with us and chatting a few minutes and stuff. Uh, We got to start winding the show down. We have to start bringing the show in for a landing uh, so if you don't mind, you can stay on the line with us and just kind of hang out if you'd like. Uh, but I wanted to uh, bring up my final audio clips for my final favorite show of the year, 2017. Uh, it was a fantastic interview that I had an opportunity to do, and I wanted to make sure we mentioned it before the show's over. John Edmonds, the alien slayer. Yeah, so John Edmonds is somebody who was in the news this year and he's trying to sell his ranch that has aliens on it. It's an alien-infested ranch. And, um, you know, I think, Wes, I think you and I were talking, and you said you should get him on the show. And so I reached out to him, and he, he, I found his email. Uh, and I forget where I found it. I think I found it on YouTube somewhere. But I found his email. I sent him an email. And he said, yeah, he'd come on the show. So we had him on the show. And he goes into describing how – he bought this property and he just wanted to have a horse ranch. And that's just not what he got. He got something totally different. And uh, he describes killing aliens, ETs, on his property over the years. And I wanted to play one of those clips right now. So you've mentioned earlier in this interview that you've killed them. Uh, how did that all develop as far as you being able to kill these things? Did, was it something that you were trying to fend them off from attacking you or your, your dogs or anything like that? Or was it just that you saw them and you had enough and you're going to kill them? How'd that all start developing for you? Um, they have a real thing for women and they have a real thing for uh, younger women. And uh, they, they seem to be programmed or interested in young women. Uh, 
they're not so much interested in men as far as I can tell, because, you know, like when my friends come around, my buddies and stuff, they'll see stuff once in a while, but it, it doesn't ever seem to make a move on them. We've had, you know, incidents where we've had friends that were male friends, you know, spend a couple of days and they'll come over and they'll lift the sheets up and look at them. As soon as they see that it's a man, they, they, they just kind of leave them alone. They don't, they don't go near um, but if it's a woman, they will fondle, they will touch, they will pinch, they will, you know, do all sorts of stuff. And so whatever it is, it's got to have something to do with the fact that they're female. Wow. So I'm assuming that your wife has had issues with that. She's had horrible issues with it. She's been attacked repeatedly. I have killed at least three of them that were in the process of attacking her. Wow. So I know you mentioned before that during killing one of these things, you actually were able to uh, get, I guess, for lack of better terms, a specimen from it. Uh, how'd that all work out? Because I, I do, do these things, basically what I'm, I'm going to ask you is, before you tell that, do these things uh, materialize and dematerialize in order for you to kill them? Yeah, they actually, um, there's a guy named Robert Collins, uh, retired Captain Robert Collins, and he's an expert on uh, physics. He's an expert on how things move around in terms of these grays. He's seen them many, many times himself. Uh, he, he's in Ohio, and he's, he's dealing with his situation for years there with them. And so he's done all the, the homework with the math and the physics and all that good stuff that uh, really isn't my, my thing. And uh, he can tell you exactly how it works. Wow. Okay. So when you kill these things, do, do you have the bodies or how does that work? Well, what happened was is that um, if you take the head, you get the whole package. If you don't take the head off, then what happens is they disappear. They just go back into what I think is, is uh, a phase. They phase in and they phase out. And so they step into another dimension that is just slightly outside of our dimension. And that's how they move, you know, because I've seen them, they'll, they'll, they'll appear. It, it's almost like they're unzippering our reality and they stick their head through and they look around. And if it looks like it's the coast is clear, they step through the rest of the direction. Um, if they, if they sense that there's some kind of uh, problem, then they, they just back back out and they disappear. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, have you ever seen them kind of materialize or dematerialize in front of you? Many times, many, many times. I've gotten to the point where I can predict where they're going to move to next. They don't really walk the way humans do or the way anything does. They just kind of appear from like place to place. And so once you get the, the gist of how they move, you can pretty well predict where they're going to be next. And I'm usually waiting with a sword for them to appear so that I can take a good swing at them. I love it. That, that just sounds so awesome. <laughs> when, you, when you say it like that, it's like, man, I, I just, I wish I could be there to see what, what you see when it comes to like this stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's uh, scary as heck, but I mean, man, like it's just, it's insane. So it when, is insane. when you, you said, you know, take the head off, get the whole package. If you don't, they dematerialize. Do you think that they like, I don't know, grow limbs back if you don't take off the head? I really have no idea. They all look the same to me. So, you know, for all I know, I could be whacking the same one over and over and over again. <laughs> I have no idea. 
Okay, yeah, because I wasn't sure if like you saw like one-armed aliens walking around, like, oh yeah, I got that guy last week, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I wish I could just tag him, you know, like with a one of those you know deals that they tag animals with, but no such luck. All right, well, that was John Edmonds, and uh, I really enjoyed talking with John and just hearing about his story. Uh, it's been obviously all over the news. Um, I actually did see just an article recently saying that he did sell his ranch. I'm not sure if that happened or not, uh, but he's trying to move to Maine and, uh, he's got a lot of different things going on with his property and also with his communications with these things. It's very interesting interview, highly encourage people to check it out. And, uh, one of my favorite lines that he said, I've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers. <laughs> when he said that, I just started rolling. I, I thought it was hilarious. Guys, I really appreciate you being on here tonight. Um, Duke, I wanted to uh, give you a quick shout out with your show on YouTube. Why don't you tell people uh, where they can find it, what it's called, and what you cover? All right. Well, uh, the show is called World Bigfoot Radio, which is almost a misnomer at this point. It's sort of a podcast plus format with lots of visual stuff. and. Um, big stuff coming up there shortly. Things are things are happening. Going to be moving to other new platforms and whatnot. So keep an eye on that. But for right now, you can find it on YouTube at my home channel, Brian Sullivan, B R I A M Sullivan, on YouTube. And that's where it's based currently. But it's not going to be there for very much longer, I think. And mostly, what I cover with my show is, as, as you might expect, World Bigfoot kind of sums up ninety percent of it. It's Bigfoot. Bigfoot's all over the world. We cover Bigfoot all over the world. Um, it's not so much an encounter show like Wes is. Wes is the king of encounter shows, you know. So why reinvent the wheel? He's got the best one. Um, my show has kind of got like more topic-driven Bigfoot in specific area, a uh, certain subject about Bigfoot. We're doing like uh, roundtable panel discussions right now. We're having multiple people on that are knowledgeable about certain aspects of it, and we'll just throw out a, a general topic and we'll talk about that. So it's sort of a, you know, it's just about anything, anything you can imagine Bigfoot related could potentially be on it. That includes occasional shows about mountain giants or little people and stuff like that. So uh, <laughs> World Bigfoot Radio, come on, check it out, you guys. You'll like it. It's fun. It's a fun show. Right on. Uh, Duke, I really appreciate you being here, man, and uh, all that stuff. It's It's been great having you on. Um, so Dave... Groves, you've been quiet for a little bit. Uh, you got any closing comments before we get out of here? We're just under 10 minutes left. Yeah, no, just sitting back enjoying the show. But, you know, I did want to make a point since both of you are on the line that probably one of the best shows that I've ever heard in my life was it was one of Wes's where he had the uh, what do you do next after you kill a Bigfoot? Uh, that, that conversation needed to be had because everybody that, that thinks that, you know, just thinks they're going to go out and do this for those people that have that frame of mind. And, uh, you guys brought up some great stuff that made, made you really think, you know, and I just want to put a shout out there for that because I thought it was great. It was like a round table discussion with you, Wes, Woody and Tom. And, uh, that was just an awesome show. And, and I was glad you had Duke. you on there, Tony. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, Thanks. Yeah, it just it was great. I, I just want to shout that out to people. If they haven't had a chance to listen to it, maybe you could tell them which episode or how they find it. But wow, was it it was just fantastic. Yeah, that was a fun. That but was hey, a congratulations, fun Tony. I just want to say that before I leave. Congratulations, well done, and keep it up. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that, Dave. You you obviously know I'll be talking with you. Uh, I yeah. appreciate you being here, man. 
And uh, that that show you just brought up, that was a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, that was me, uh, Wes, Woody, Duke, and Tom, Tom Seawood. And uh, that was just a that was a great time, great conversation. And I think I can speak for everybody that Tom brought the energy. Tom, <laughs> he brought the energy. Uh, some of the things he was rattling off, I was like, holy crap, this guy, he's like, you pull the liver out, you stick it in your pocket. <laughs> and I was rolling. I was rolling. That was a fun show, though. It really was. And it caught people's attention. Uh, it's called um, uh, Killing Sasquatch. Wes, I'm not exactly sure what episode number that was. I want to say, uh, I don't know, 248, something like that. It's been a while, though. That was a controversial Yeah, don't ask me. Don't ask yeah, me. Yeah, you I, the no show, right? I remember the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was fun, though. I mean, that was really kind of like my uh, my. Uh, I think it was probably the first time I was ever on Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, maybe not, but uh, it was still fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, Wes, now that you're here and uh, on the line again, I I, I just wanted to say thanks again for being here and hanging in there. Uh, I I started the show three hours ago, and I wasn't sure how long it'd go. I didn't know if I could carry a show for more than an hour live. We just did three hours, and I just want to publicly apologize to Wes, Dave, because you guys hung in there the whole time, and I didn't tell you a time that we'd be done. I just said, I don't know. So I really appreciate you hanging in there with me. Uh, No apologies. No apologies at all, man. I'm happy to be here, and I'm honored to be here, and thank you so much for having me, Tony. Right on, man. Right on. Uh, So any last words by anybody? Because if not, I have you'll have one. to I have okay. one. I didn't get to say the appropriate congratulations on you surviving over a year in this friendly, everybody wants to cut your throat, stab you in the back, set you on fire, and throw you off the clip community. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> really well done. Really love your show. Really love the wide-ranging um, aspect of how you deal with things where, where you can have lots of different subjects. Nothing's really off limits. Love it. Keep doing it, man. Great job. Well, I really, I really appreciate that, Duke. Uh, it, it's been a journey. Uh, it, it's, I, I really didn't know if I'd make it a, a year, but we did. We made it a year, and uh, it's just been a blast. I had a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to 2018. Yeah, we have big, big goals for this coming year. I, I, I smashed my goals last year. Couldn't believe it. Uh, so this coming year, we're going to really try to kick it up to another level. Uh, I, I see a lot of sleepless nights in my future. Uh, but it's all for the content that we're creating. You, uh, Duke, Wes, you guys know as content creators, like it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of rewards at the end of it too. So uh, that said, yep. everybody, thank you for being here. Everybody who's out there listening, thank you. Everybody who called in, thank you very much. It's been a great time. If you're interested in more live shows, we are going to be doing live shows through our Patreon page. So if you want to become a patron, you can do that at patreon.com backslash the confessionals. Check it out. We got some great rewards over there. Um, a lot of people are kind of hanging out with us over there at the Patreon page. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Until next time, I'll see you next Saturday, 6 o'clock on the confessionalspodcast.com. I will talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.